I've got my Survivor shirt on. I'm ready to go. I love it. What uh, what buff you repping tonight? Uh, I have got the fans tribe from Fans versus Favorites two, the one that Malcolm was on. Oh, he nice. was briefly on that tribe when they did like a switch. Um, but I also felt it was suiting to buy the fans tribe rather than the favorites tribe. Right. I was uh I was a bit out of it. We've had a little bit of a cold running through this house. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. I'm, we have two. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I have it. I just don't think it's hit me as hard as it's hit the boys and Karina. It's starting yeah. to hit me. I feel yeah. like tomorrow is going to be either tomorrow or Sunday is going to be my really shitty day. And that sucks for both of them because I have podcast shit to do on both days. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if either I'm getting it or it's on its way. But I have a feeling if I am going to get it, it's going to be on Sunday when we're interviewing Tina. Just so, in time for Tina. Dude, yeah, I'm so. stoked for Tina. That's going to be I a lot too. of fun. I don't know shit yeah. about shit other than all starts with Tina. Oh, man. I yeah don't know a lot about Tina, but like her challenge past and stuff, I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with. So I think we'll be fine there. OK, good. All right. But I'm, 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 I'm interested in uh, I'm interested in she will probably touch on the challenge USA a bit. Yeah, because she was like going full super sleuth on that. Yeah, yeah, she was. Absolutely. I like the fact that she's an a vet OG and she's really interested in the current day stuff that's happening. Yeah. And she's, yeah, I love wa- that. she's watching and tweeting and talking like a fan yes. and with the fans and debating with the fan. Like, I just I love it. I yeah. love what she's doing right now. And that's why, like, when we have the opportunity to bring people like Marlon on or, and or Tina on, but Marlon, I bring that up especially because we've had him on for multiple recaps. Right. Yeah. And get that inside and fan perspective on it. Exactly. It's just, it's yep. such a, a different view than even the most ingrained fans have. Well, and, and that's another reason I like, uh, I really like when we bring Alex on because even though he doesn't have direct like um, experience, like on the challenge, He's got that, like, he's removed enough from the actual show to legitimately be a challenge fan. But at the same yep. time, he's experienced in being on reality TV. So he kind of knows about how stuff works behind the scenes and, you know, can kind of give that different perspective as well. And so I think like that's like one of the reasons that I always love when we have Alex on, because I feel like we get a nice balance from both. Because, again, he's not too close to either port either side of that the fan or the star side of it you know he's like kind of right in the middle and i I love it i bet you he would uh come on and recap survivor as well because he also is a diehard survivor fan oh yeah well and i mean and and because what next week we're gonna do survivor episode three and we're gonna do our 38 cast and predictions and then the week after that, well, 38 starts. The cool thing is, is we're not doing it by ourselves. We're going to have Malik from yes. LWC. So Love oh War and Challenge gosh. podcast. They're a great show. If you haven't heard them yet, definitely make sure you go check it out. We'll link them down below. Yeah. Uh, but he'll be hopping on with us next week to recap the cast and give predictions, assumptions of what we think is going to happen this year. Yeah. That's so, going to be cool. that's going to be dope. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited yeah. to meet Malik. And then on that same note, on Saturday, depending on when you're listening it to it, but Saturday, uh, uh, October 1st, we actually did a collab with Angel Cake Entertainment on YouTube with Drew and a bunch of other people, um, Reality Realness, and Corey Lay is going to be part of it. And, Chantel. Um, no, it's Chantel from 
reality realness. And then it's Chris from nullified take and then Corey lay. And then me, I'm going to represent challenge fan and podcast. And we're all doing a live trivia game night on uh, angel cake entertainments, YouTube. And I'm pretty fucking stoked for that. Like I'm nervous because I've never done like actual like challenge. Like I do the trivia when the seasons are on or whatever, you know, whatever questions they show. I always try to answer them before TJ gives the answer. See if I was right, you know, but. I've never actually played challenge trivia with other challenge fans and let alone other challenge fans that are big enough challenge fans that they also run podcasts and or like Corey fucking lay who's literally been on the damn show. And so I'm like, and like, is a huge fan and is a huge fan, you know? And so I'm yeah. like, shit, man, <laughs> like, but I'm still excited. So. I don't know how I'm going to do. I'm not going to like act like I'm going to run out there and do great and like be the best or anything, but. I'm pretty fucking stoked for that. I'm pretty stoked that it's not me. Are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit. What's it saying? Let me see. Sorry, uh, Josh just messaged us and said that the chat link was invalid. Josh is trying to hop on to say hi. He can't join us tonight, but he wants to come say hi to everybody. We're trying to get him in here for some reason. It's not working. The but links anyways, aren't working, but we so, keep we keep getting the beeps that someone's joining. Anyway, so what's going on that only I know about in regards to this trivia? Karina is just now finding out about this. Is that if she doesn't win the minute the trivia is over, I'm flipping her chair over with her in it and then pouring water on her. You know? Yes. What? It's challenge trivia. You something's got to happen. You can't flip my chair over. Oh. I'm, I'm going to like bust my head open. Are you going to clean up all the water off the carpet? Yes. Okay. I'm not going to do all that. But you better not. It sounded pretty good. Like, Especially I not was, the cleaning part. No, no, fuck. It, I don't know. If I lose, should I have to do something though? Like, I don't want to get water dumped on me, but like, should I have to do something? Like, I don't know. Not against that competition and the fact that none of the rest of us are willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to penalize you for me being like Karina's doing it. Well, everybody was like, it's yeah. either got to be Karina or it's got to be Josh because Josh and I are like the OG challenge fans been like watching from day one. And so they're like, you guys have to do it in case there's like, you know, old school questions or anything. So we're like, OK. And then like I, I asked Josh and he's like, you yeah, know, it's going to be you. I'm like, I, yeah, OK. <laughs> There's so, a brief period of time where you guys told me it was me. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, we your name is you stats sure. and info. Yeah. Rick, Rick, that was Rick's idea. He was like, Tony should have to do it because he's stats and info. And I'm like, yeah, but he I would can't. change my birth certificate right there. <laughs> like Tony doesn't even like have access to half the fucking seasons. Like <laughs> we can't even like ask that from him like that would just that was just me being an asshole us being hive mind plus it would be like 1 a.m yeah yeah and also us being hive mind i know for the fact that tony didn't want to do it yeah but yes go ahead now i know i was gonna i was gonna say it's actually way earlier in the day than i thought it was it's at seven eastern and so i'm like oh okay so that actually works out so um but yeah no i'm i'm pretty stoked i'm super nervous about it too though like I'm super nervous. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to fucking. It's fine. Just don't screw it up. I... <laughs> yeah. no, no pressure. pressure. No, no. no, I feel like I'm going to go out and I'm going to fuck it up. Like first question right off the bat is going to be something stupid, easy. And I'm just going to like freeze. Like, uh, I just hope it's like, cause they're calling it like challenge trivia night. And so I'm just hoping it's like challenge questions. And it's not like, like when you go on the challenge and you trivia, have... you would get on the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Cause that. 
I'm the wrong fucking person for that. We need Rick on there because <laughs> I don't know shit like that. If it was like legit, the same type of trivia that they give the challengers, I would do it. But since it's challenge I'm trivia, 99.9% sure yeah. it's going to be challenge trivia. And if it was on from rivals one forward, I'd be somewhat comfortable doing it. If it was based on like rivals two and forward, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. But when we're saying all of the challenge, I'm I don't have that capacity. Yeah, yet. he he didn't give any specifications like that about what the questions are being to be about, what the timeline is, like nothing like that. And so we're all just kind of like walking in blind. The only thing I know is that there's going to be three rounds. Everybody stays in every round, so it's just like points for getting the question right, and then at the end of the game, the person with the most points is the one who wins. So I'm like, oh, okay, because like at first I was like, I wonder if it's like the challenge, right? Where you get like a question wrong and then you're just fucking dropped. And I'm like, am I literally going to hop on here, be on here for like two minutes and then get fucking kicked out of the live? That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be so great. Just make us look like fools in the first like two minutes. Get like the easiest question wrong. Oh, my God. Ugh. So, but, yeah. hey, quick side note, because I, I do want to talk about this since we are the challenge fandom podcast. Boom. The whole new um, the new trailer that just dropped. Whoa. What'd you guys think of that? Whoa. The like the super size trailer yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Where it shows like damn near the whole season, except for the final. That's the only thing that it shows. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was interesting. I. Sarah actually sent it to me and she was just like, well, the challenge USA is over. All the drama is back. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that sounds about right. Cause if you look at the trailers for the challenge USA, they all focus on like the actual dailies and like the competition side of it. Yeah. And this, the entire trailer was just drama. All the drama people hooking up, like, there was like Laurel and Fessy laying in bed. Jordan's messing around with Norris. Like, there's all kinds of crazy shit going on. So wild. I'm interested in it for multiple, multiple reasons. <laughs> um, all of which I I'm not going into, obviously. But I, uh, it just it, it's getting me excited, and it also made me think of the fact that when you guys said Alex earlier, me and him were going back and forth in DMs and he does want to come back on and do a 38 recap with us. Yeah. But maybe we could time it right where it's like the survivor finale and whatever recap or towards the end of survivor or something like that. If it works out well. Yeah. So just, you know, that would be a lot of fun too. Yeah. Cause we'll be doing dual at that point, you know, until survivors over, we'll be doing survivor and 38. So it'd be like perfect to bring Alex on because he watches both and that would be a really yeah. fun night. Yeah. No, I I, I like I, it. I like it. And then we got to get in touch with a uh, challenge historian because I know we're going to want to do 38 with yeah, him too. Yeah, we're definitely going to want to do a yeah. 38 with the historian. That's going to be fun. I love his episodes. He's always awesome to have on. And then I know Talik's all about this new season too. And oh, yeah. I've been going back and forth with him. So it's there's a lot of people that wanna that that also have reached out and wanna come on and do a collab recap as well. Like a like there's quite a few different creators on Instagram, challenge creators, artists, illustrators, other podcast hosts, um, blog writers, like there's a bunch of people. And so we're probably not gonna be able to fit them all in for 38, but we are gonna throughout 38, we're probably gonna have more 
like collabs and features than we did for like 37 and stuff. So, you know, definitely something to look forward to. I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. I like working with people. Yeah. I mean, I love you guys, but it's always fun to add a little spice to the lineup. You know (laughs) what I mean? Little different attitudes, different takes, because as much as I love you guys, I mean, obviously, I love Karina a little bit more than I love Tony. (laughs) It's close. Like, it's really close. Whatever. It shouldn't be close. I know. I should win. (laughs) I'm just saying, if if we're starting (laughs) to talk about, like, who I love more, Tony or Josh, that's, like, choosing which kid to save off a sinking (laughs) ship. I don't know. But I don't know where I was going with that, because I just got so wrapped up in the love. I miss. I miss. I don't know either. Different, different takes on stuff. There we go. There we go. There we go. Kids, that's why you shouldn't smoke pot. But yes, I like when we get someone else uh, that's not normally on with us all the time because they do give us a different take. Because we typically all agree on like about ninety five percent of the shit we see. But yeah, no, thirty eight looks fucking fire. I'm excited for the teams. I'm excited for some of the drama. Like, I yeah. it sounded like Laurel was screaming at Turbo at some point. It sounded like Nani was getting on Turbo about some. Yeah. Um, there looks like a bunch of stuff that's going to go down. I love it. And I'm here for it. You know what? For the people who are like, oh, I don't like rookies and I don't like people that are real world road rules alum, this has got a little bit of everything. It's yeah. got some rookies. It's got some vets. It's got some champions. It's got a little bit of the old school. Yeah. A lot of the new school. And I think it's going to be a fire season. I'm excited to break it down with you guys. I'm stoked. And I'm just really glad that it's that they're stepping away from the like the spy theme and like I and not like complaining about the spy theme. I know that's been like a huge complaint in the fandom for the past like three seasons. But I I, and not that I hated the spy theme or anything, but it's just going to be nice to see something new and fresh. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm I can't wait for, for something new for people to complain about for three seasons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, oh, yeah. they're always oh. going to find something to complain about. But I meant for us, like, it's just it's nice. And also, y'all see that fucking fire artwork they put out, though, with them so with them awesome colors. Oh, my gosh. I wonder where I've seen oh, that work really well together before. I don't know. They can't see what you're pointing at. We can. Because it's gorgeous. <laughs> so, question. Well, actually, before the question. Number one, fucking Survivor Night. We have a straight Survivor Night tonight. We are going to be doing episodes one and two of Survivor 43. It's like two and a half hours of content. <laughs> Fuck. I'm stoked for it. We Three took and last, half. We took last week off, um, and we knew that we were doing this to ourselves when we took it off, so we can't really even be upset about it. We willingly all took last week off, but you know what? I think we all need it. I feel super refreshed and ready to go this week, and um, I'm excited to talk about Survivor, but before we dive into recapping the episodes, I was curious, did you guys want to um, shout out our fantasy teams for our draft, and we can do the teams and then recap, and then we'll do the points and stuff at the end? Sure. Yes, uh, but I want to do that. Not part of the intro, but part of the actual show, though, because it's so directly involved in Survivor. And well, us. yeah. Are you good with that? I'm I'm cool with it. Should we give you a nice little transition into uh, the opening? Well, I mean, really, I was saying all of that, hoping that we would just lead out like organically. We don't but... do shit organically. I'm a fucking robot, and that's just, just the way like it is. You just like to make me edit shit. That's what I you just like, like to, to do. talk, and I like to get clarification on everything, even if it's crystal clear. Good God! Because as a husband, that's how I know not to get in trouble. 
Just putting that out there. You double check everything. You got or the you wrong say, fucking one. You act like I'm one of those wives. Like, please fucking just make a decision. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm that wife. I don't care. Unless it comes to, like... Don't touch my fucking dishes. <laughs> don't do my goddamn dishes. <laughs> just stay the fuck out of my kitchen unless you're cooking something. Okay? I can't even complain. <laughs> I can't even fucking complain. And even if I did, nobody would care. No. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Fandom Podcast. Uh, you've got myself, Ricky Hayes, my beautiful wife, Karina Hayes, who doesn't let anybody touch her dishes. <laughs> and then we've got Tony, Stats, and Info Lance. Tonight we're going to be doing uh, a little change of pace, throw you guys a little bit of a curveball, because we are going to be recapping Survivor episodes one of one and two of season 43. So, uh, you know, I just... God, guys, it feels like it's been over a year since we've seen Survivor, but I know it hasn't been that long. Yeah. But I'm happy it's back. I'm I'm getting more and more in love with this show as I watch it. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as the cast and everything, which we're going to get into here in a minute, I'm really enjoying damn near everyone I've seen on the show. I know, Tony, you're feeling the same way. And it's it's looking like it's going to be a really interesting season, and I'm excited about it. But before we get into that, I did want to tell you guys, we enjoy doing our fantasy team so much on Challenge USA. Oh my God, it was so much fun. It really was. And like, it's, it's like doing fantasy for like football or basketball, whatever the f- hell you guys do, might do fantasy for. It's like, that, like it just gets you more engaged with like watching it, paying attention to like certain people that you have on your team and like... like it's yeah. just it's it's awesome. I love doing the drafts. I started rooting for Enzo so hard towards the end. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, meow meow." You were you got this. You were going hard for Enzo. Fuck that. Same with Danny. That's the like, thing too. Like the, the people that are on your team, you end up like rooting for more, even though the draft, like in some ways, is arbitrary. In some ways, is very specific. Right. The people that you're trying to get, but then it doesn't always happen. But then. You're actively rooting against people that you really like just because they're not on your team. Yep, exactly. I fucking dug Tyson all season, but I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Get off the confessionals. (laughs) Stop having confessionals, goddammit. And then when Angela and Sarah both started getting a lot, I was like, motherfucker. Dude, I got that way with Alyssa. There was like one episode where Alyssa got like 12 fucking confessionals, and Rick was already like hella in the lead for points and shit. And I was like, motherfucker, shut up. (laughs) When when there was infighting on Rick's entire team, so it was just all of his. Confessionals, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Even in the final, when fucking Enzo quit, I still got a shit ton of confessional <laughs> points for that one too. He gave me like nine. I was like, "Yeah, there we go." Oh my god. So, anyway, anyway, a uh, long way to get here, but we decided <laughs> that we're going to do the very similar thing. Obviously, the points and the way we keep track of that is going to be different. But we decided to do another uh, fantasy season this time for Survivor. What? Um, now we were not. Um, relegated to say we had to pick male female male female it was pick whoever you wanted 
Um, here's the thing. There's only 18 people, and there was four of us. Myself, Karina, Tony, and Corey decided to do this. Josh, not a huge Survivor fan, but yeah. Also, Corey couldn't make it on tonight, so he won't be here, but we are going to shout out his name. Uh, yeah. Not his name. I'm sorry. His his tribe and, his, and his members. Yeah. <laughs> Corey. Okay, there we go. No. Um, no, but he couldn't make it tonight. He had to work, but we are going to um, list out his t- his tribe. So um, I'm going to have to have you help me with some of the, the people's names because I might not have them. I, I have the full list right here. Okay, but so on Karina's team, we've got Ryan, James, Justine, and Noel. Solid team. I, uh, I, I'm I a bit jealous of both the Ryan and James and Noel pick, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> um, and then on Corey's tribe, oh, I'm sorry, and Karina's tribe name is? Yurette. And do you want to tell them what Yurette means? So Yurette is, um, it, it. Translates uh, to hummingbird, and hummingbirds were my grandmother's favorite animal, and my grandmother was my favorite person in the whole wide world. So yada, yada, yada. I will spare you all the emotional details, but that's my team name. Um, tribe name. My tribe, tribe name. name. I will get better at this, guys. I promise. We're, we're getting team there. It's, tribe. It's, look. I'm getting there. It's it's the Monday morning of our Survivor recaps. We haven't done this in a while. We're getting back into the mode. It's, yes. We're going to be a little gotta, bit rusty. I got to get out of challenge lingo, yeah. back into Survivor lingo. We'll be all right. All right. I don't really want to do this one, but I will. It's Corey's Tribe, NOLA, <laughs> for New Orleans. Um, and then his, t- his tribe is made up of... Cassidy, Gabler, Cody, Owen, and Ellie. Which Owen, I know you're still on. Were a, you were pissed <laughs> off at me because I told Corey that Owen was from New Orleans, so he dropped because Corey right didn't do the homework that I had gave everyone. Yeah. yeah, which was here's all the preseason stuff. You can also listen to David Bloomberg and Jessica Lewis, and they did a whole series on it. Right. Yeah. So here's my thing: is at first I was like, uh. Corey's team's all layups. And then the more I've seen out of them, the more impressed I am with each individual one. And you were, yes. I feel like you were about 75% correct on your uh, your assumption of Owen going into the season. Yes. Yeah. Just, and just, I, I will say I was not correct with um, Ellie. She surprised the hell out of me. Yes. Yeah. I, same, same. I thought she was going to be very much a Tory, like from 42, yes, like the, but exactly. it's not that at all. And then um, we have Tony's tribe, and his tribe name is Adnerb. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. And, you are. And I will let you explain the significance behind that. Sure. Um, so on one of the seasons that Malcolm was on, when they made it to the merge, they were creating the tribe name. And he told them that Anil Adam meant something completely different when in reality <laughs> it's his mother's name backwards. Um, so I used the same method and my mother's name is Brenda. So Brenda backwards at nerve. See, I wanted to do that, but obviously you already did it. So I can't copy that right I off top. I almost copied him and I even told him and then I was like, no, nah, I can't. I was like, go for it. <laughs> then I started thinking about my mom's name wouldn't really work that well. No, it wouldn't. Because her name's Dixie. So that backwards is not going to sound like a, a survivor tribe. I'm going to be honest. Ixid. Ixid. Yeah. Yeah. Ix- not, no, Ixid. not right. It sounds Ixid. like an oil company. 
<laughs> um, anyways, Tony has, um, I think I have this one right. It's Mariah mm-hmm. Janine. Is yep. that correct? Yep. Jesse, who is th- my favorite player I wanted on him, this season thus far. I wanted him so bad. And then Tony took him. I was like, and then is it Carla or Kayla? Yeah. Carla. 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 Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. By the time we're You're at episode good. three, I'm going to have about half their names down. So we're. You'll have we're, the ones down that have already been sent home. Bingo. Um, <laughs> so Tony, Jesse is the one. I, I If we could do trades, I would try to trade you for Jesse. I'd be like, I'll It wouldn't matter. Two, I wouldn't trade. Two of my people for one, <laughs> one Jesse. Um, nope. But speaking of my tribe, which is you sipper. Is that how you pronounce it? I, I, it sounds right. You yeah. sipper. It's your own tribe. It's just an anagram of rise up for the Falcons. Ah, so enough. there we go. <laughs> um, and on my team, I have uh, Geo, Sammy. Uh, it's. You have Sammy, Dwight, Geo, Lindsay, and NECA. There we go. NECA. I love that name. That's so awesome. NECA. It's um, um Nigerian. Nigerian. Sorry, That's I had to think. Awesome. I, I can't... I'm going to have to look that up because I'm, I'm sure it's going to have some type of translation. I would love to she see talk, what it is. She talked about it in the episode. I um, missed it. I can't she, said, she said uh, in the episode, it's what you name a girl when you want a boy. That Yeah, that's um, what it was. Now, I was like, now, whether that is accurate or whether more. that's her just, just saying it, because that... Because with Justine, she was just like, yeah, my name's just a man, uh, man's name with an E on the end. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those are our tribes for fantasy. We will uh, recap the points uh, for that we've all gotten from episode one and two. We will post how the points break down and how they work on our Instagram. So make sure you're checking that out. We'll yeah. have a link below. Um, but wanted to go over that real quick so you guys knew about it. And if you want to get in and start one of these with your survivor friends or, you know, challenge friends for a 38. Uh, you can message any one of us and we'll kind of tell you how we did it to kind of give you a guideline if needed. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think that's enough dilly dallying around. I'm ready. Let's Are you fucking ready? go. Is you ready? Are you ready? I'm I ready. Can, uh, I can toss out the breakdown for points that'll actually make like we'll actually need for the first two episodes. Because most of the points that we have, like on the tally thing, mm-hmm. don't even come into play until like the merge. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead then. Basically, you get a point for every confessional. You get two points if you vote for the person that actually went out. You get two points if you find if you get an advantage, um, and you get two points if your tribe wins either immunity or reward. Right. And that's per person. So, like, if you have two people from the Vessi tribe and the Vessi tribe wins immunity, then you get four points. Right. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will clarify. For confessionals, um, I'm not we don't really have like a challenge stats sort of account for survivor stats. So I'm doing this all. um, I made a numbers document on my iPad and I just basically break it down every (laughs) episode. Yeah. And uh, I've got like another one for who gets voted out, everything like that. But basically, if it's a continuous confessional and it's broken up by like things that are happening at camp, but it's clear that it's one continual conversation that they had with production. Yeah. Then I counted as one. And also for a way for the eliminated people to get like one more point on the way out the door. I do also count the, um, like the goodbye message, the exit message as a one last confessional. Nice. I like it. 
I don't know what the hell Rick's doing. So anyway, I, I, I was reading my note and I was doing a voice to know and I tried to read. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, I was the breakdown of Coco of how the tribe works. But the second part, right. instead of saying Ryan, Gio and Carla and then Ryan and Gio really close, it was like Ryan and car Jeff La. You know, I was like, what the fuck is this? I got to clean this up. Otherwise, I'm going to be done once we get to this part. Sorry. I didn't know that I had to carry all that on. I thought you guys had it. Sorry. We don't have it. We ain't got shit without you. Damn, I feel special. <laughs> anyway. First. I was oh, going to start sorry, doing Sorry, I cut white. off your song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's probably better that way. Let's be honest. Anyway, so um, we let's get into the Survivor yes. season forty three episode one. Let's dive into this recap, guys. Change of pace because I am not the Survivor expert here. <laughs> um, I am s- specifically handing over my hosting duties or whatever you, you want to call. Are them. you passing on the baton? Uh, it would be the torch. Thank you. Um and yes, they pass on batons no, too. Not on, not on Survivor. They pass on torches. So I am Fair. giving my torch to Tony, <laughs> and I hive minding letting him take over hosting. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tony stats and info, Lance. Cool. Um. So I guess for starters, first impressions of people. Anybody that stood out. So yeah. So first of all, Noel stood out to me right away, and um. I really enjoyed her backstory. I know this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I found it like that's just okay. So first of all, I'm sure that everybody knows because if you're listening to this, you probably fucking watch Survivor. But just the fact that like she applied for Survivor, ended up losing her leg and then still like continued to like train her body, get herself in a position where she's now a Paralympian. She holds the U.S. record for the 100 meter. And like, and now she's going on Survivor to represent her dream and her mom's dream. Like, it was just like such an awesome moment. And it made me like really happy that I like drafted her to my team because I really liked her right out of the gate. Um, and then God, there was somebody else who stood out a lot to me too, but I can't think of it off the top so, of my head. Tony, are you asking me my first impression before I heard their backstory or post hearing their backstory? Kind of just like when you're looking at these people. When they're hitting the beach, not like, knowing anything about them. Okay. If you've got some aspect, like if you've got some stuff peppered in. So when they're walking up on the beach, the first impression I got is Ryan is a lot bigger guy than what yeah. I saw yeah. in the pictures. He's and, huge. and it's like, okay, so not saying, not trying to compare, but the closest, most recent person I could think of was obviously Jeff or Jeff. What the fuck? Jonathan. I'm just, I'm off tonight. John Jeff Probst. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Probst. He looks just just yeah. like him. No. Um, <laughs> but Jonathan from, la- Jonathan from last year. But that was my first impression was Ryan. Second one was Sammy. From his pictures and everything, I didn't think he was going to be that big of a guy. He's a big boy. Yeah, and he's, he's a good-sized guy. Um, and then for the girls, it was, um, God, I lost her name the girl that's on my team that's a nurse um Lindsay Lindsay yes I I just as soon as I found out she was a nurse I know women that are nurses typically do somewhat well on Survivor so kind of one of my favorites off top post backstory though Jesse 100 percent 
Yeah. That's yeah. that's the guy right there. I'm I'm a big fan of his. So I don't know, man. I can't even say that because there's so many people that have amazing backstories. Like like again, like I said, there's somebody else. Oh. I just it's further down in my notes. It didn't yeah. happen this early in the show. So I can't remember whose backstory it was, but it's down there and I know I will get to it eventually as I yeah. keep reading through this. It, the other thing I was gonna say is just responding to what you said was not that everybody else's backstory is is not great or not good. It just resonated. Jesse's resonated with me more. That's all I was saying. For me, it was definitely like it's very hard for you to see everyone go up on the beach and not immediately notice Mariah. Yeah, but because of her hair and, and her clothing. Yeah, absolutely. Personality is just as vibrant as the hair and the clothing. Yes, I think I think the hardest thing with Survivor is because your first inclination, it, at least for myself as a challenge fan, is that you see some of these guys and they're bigger and you're thinking, oh, they're kind of like a shoe in. But, you know, history and Survivor is those bigger guys are are usually put out pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, that, you kind of have to, like, flip your understanding of, like, who's going to do well right out of the gate, because when you you've got the challenge like obviously you're looking at some of the people who might not be as visibly strong and you're like well these guys are going to struggle whereas on survivor they'll make it a couple of votes yeah because you've got to have strength but then after that they're usually collateral damage they usually get picked off pretty quick either as you feel like you're getting towards the merge or as soon as you hit the merge but i mean it's like um when we interviewed, I know that it won't be out at this point, but when we interviewed Danny, he had said like he took a lot of his risks really early on when he knew that his strength would still keep him around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Smart. And, and, you know, yeah. kind of going back to Jonathan, I think that's what was so surprising about him is that he made it as far as he did, you know, because I didn't expect him, especially when he started really showing off in the. Uh, when they were still in the split tribes before the merge, how physically dominant he was. Yeah. So. And that's like, that's when you see pairings do really well. Um, so I'm really interested to see how, uh, jumping ahead of it, but to see how Ryan and Geo do. Yeah. I, I think they're going to be really interesting and, and it, kind of like the odd couple. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, Jeff does like his little preamble as per usual, which, Somebody made a meme about it, and I always, I now think about it every time that I see it, which is, like, Jeff is so involved with production and everything else that when he's pointing people out and be like, you, the one in the yellow dress, like, he knows everybody's name. He knows everything about every single person. And the meme was something along the lines of it was, like, the winners at Warcast, and it was, like, you with the Boston hat. What do, what do you think about being here? And it's, like, clearly Boston Rob. Or you with the cowboy hat when it's obviously Ben Drebergen. Yeah, so we break into the opening challenge. We've got the three tribes back this season. Uh, red is Vessi. Yellow is Baca. And blue is Coco. Best tribe name ever because it is really fucking easy Hell. to say and remember. Um, but yes. for the first challenge, two players are going to race down the beach and um, they have to go find like these two huge, heavy wooden crates and bring them back. Then two other players race out into the water and haul back a boat that has a bunch of more um, crates in it. Once they get it to the shore, they like clip it and then the rest of the team can come out and start unloading the crates. Everybody takes them up, and the last two players that haven't participated in either of the other two legs um, 
Use these crates to form a cube. Once the cube is formed, one player will hop up on top and they use a bamboo pole to like get the flint. It's like on a key ring on a like branch really up high and they have to use the bamboo pole to kind of pull it off. But the branch is like slanted. So it's not, you know, they have to really use their heads to get it off of there. So the first tribe that wins earns camp supplies, which is a pot, a machete and the flint. And the other two tribes have to go back to their beach and they will have another challenge where they will have an opportunity to earn their camp supplies. Challenge takes off. Um, Vessi really ma- they make it back with all of their uh, containers first and then Baca shortly behind them and then Coco. But I found it interesting how, um, you know, Vessi actually finished and got, like I said, got all their their containers and stuff back to their their spot before anybody else and actually quite a bit before Coco. But the Coco team ended up completing their box first. And Lindsay gets up on top and she starts, you know, trying to pull the the trying to use the bamboo pole to get the flint off. And she's like super struggling with it. Vessi completes theirs next and Dwight hops up there. And then Baca's right beneath right behind them. And um was it Janine? That I, got think up. Janine, yeah. I think it was Janine. Because it was Janine and Mariah that were doing the puzzle, and I know it wasn't Mariah. Yeah, see, I wrote so I'll, you know, confessional here. Um, I wrote Justine down in my notes, but I know Justine is on Vessi, so I'm like, yeah. it had to have been Janine because I must have just mixed up their names right there for the first time watching. But anyway, what was really cool, I believe it was Cody. Um, he's yeah. standing, he's standing down on the beach and he comes up with a plan and tells Dwight to use the end of the bamboo pole where it's open because there's like a hole at the end there to put the flint like inside that hole and then use it to kind of push up against the branch and then pull the flint off. And he ends up freaking doing it and Vessi ends up winning this first challenge and getting their camp supplies. And I was just like watching this whole thing go down. I was like, dude, that's actually really fucking smart. Like that was strategic as shit. Yeah. um, Lindsay's didn't have a hole in it. Cause I, when I was watch I, cause I watched it tonight before like to do the, the notes and I was, I was looking specifically to see if everybody would have had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, now the other end of hers could have had a hole in it, but the, uh, like the twine that was there to kind of use as a, a handle was at the bottom. So mm. if she did that, she would then be contending with like that other aspect of it. That's weird. And it was either like it was either how it was shot, but it it looked it looked like the I don't know if it's what you call it, but it looked like it was like the end of a knot on a piece of bamboo mm. where there wasn't really any hole. For it. it was like a tiny recess, but it wouldn't have been enough to drop the flint in. That's crazy because it just see, I, I don't know. And I know stuff like that happens, you know, and maybe it's something that their survivor producers just didn't really think about. But it just yeah. it just feels weird because like Survivor is very good at keeping everything very even um, and very uh, fair across the board where everybody has the exact same supplies, exact same setup, exact same this, that, this, that. And so it would be it's weird to think that only one of them had that option. But, you know, and maybe it was just an oversight, you know, but yeah, it's just it could like, have just been like random pieces of bamboo yeah and they just didn't even think about it until it happens and they're just sitting there like oh fuck we didn't think about this <laughs> like yeah well they have uh they have like i think it's called a fairness judge yeah on survivor um voce was talking about it from uh from mm-hmm. 41 one of the like one of the shows that they did yeah where it was like 
if one person gets sunscreen, then absolutely everybody else has to be given the option of sunscreen. Right. Or like if there's one thing that's done in one challenge, then everybody else has to do it. So it has to be fair across the board. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which is uncommon for us coming from the challenge. But. I know it's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> but oh. and I found it how I found it funny how how it must have happened really quick because, you know, I always try to take editing into account. Maybe it didn't go down this quick, whatever, whatever. But it had to have happened pretty quick because Cody said that pretty loud. And so if anybody else yeah. did have openings in their bamboo pole, they would have heard him more than likely. Like it wasn't yeah. like he was quiet about it, you know, so it either happened very quickly or nobody else had holes in the end of their bamboo poles, which is also weird. I don't know, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Just out of curiosity, do they use suntan lotion? Something I've always kind of wondered about. Yeah. Okay. Um, they do. Now, I don't know if they always did. Um, and I guess they don't because I remember this is like useless information for anyone, but <laughs> on um, South Pacific and possibly on the fans versus favorite season that I have on my buff, um, Cochrane got super sunburned, mm, like okay. red, like lobster red. Sunburned. Wow. But yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because I, I don't I don't remember anyone in the last couple seasons that happening or more recent ones. But I could have swore like in in the Australia one and maybe the Africa one that they did. I just I can't remember off top. I was curious about that. Yeah. And I feel you'd have to. Yeah, I would think so, too. Yeah. Well, and I, it's funny because I was actually thinking about this earlier because there are survivor fans who get upset that the contestants aren't giving clothes to compete in. And so like you'll get to a point in the season where the girls are out there like competing in just like their bras and their underwear or whatever. And like people complain about this in the fan groups. And like all that did to me was it made me think like like of Lindsay uh, from last season from 42, Lindsay Dolash, yep. or I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right, but she constantly was competing in just like her her bra and her underwear and all that that really brought to me was i was just like girl how are you not getting sunburnt out there mm -hmm. like good lord i'd be trying to keep as much of my skin covered as i could so i wasn't getting sunburnt and miserable so, do you know strangely who you have to thank for the fact that people compete in their underwear and they're not given their swim clothes anymore fans tyler perry tyler perry tyler perry yeah oh wow. exactly why Friend of Jeff Probst, big okay. fan of Survivor, said that the fact that they have they have their swim clothes and everything like that makes it seem unrealistic in the sense that the the core concept of Survivor back in the day was stranded on an island. Right. right. So you have the clothes that you come in with. So having secondary clothes to do the competitions in everything like that makes it unrealistic. I personally disagree completely. I think it's stupid that they don't have their swim clothes to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it makes no sense. It doesn't add anything to any competition whatsoever. It just makes people more uncomfortable and there's no need for that. You're already stuck on an island with limited food and water yeah. with people that you're just getting to know. I think that that's enough. So that's why you see a lot like in the more recent seasons where you see a lot more people complaining about it is because it wasn't always an issue. Gotcha. Um, and then it started being a thing and nobody like nobody really cares that they had swim trunks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and that's my thing is like also just real quick and then I'll, I'll hop off. This is 
I've always wondered why people don't wear like two or three pairs of clothes while they're like getting off the boat. So that way they have like a long sleeve shirt, like a pair of shorts and a pair of pants, you know, so that way, because I don't care where you are, even if you're on the South Pacific and it's 90 degrees during the day, when you're out in the sun and you're out on a beach and then it gets dark at night, you're going to get cold. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like, I wear like multiple different layers and just hopefully don't drown when I'm swimming in anyways. Yeah. <laughs> well, their uh, their clothing is all approved by production too, um, and they're kind of given their clothing. So mm. the on what was it on David versus Goliath? Nick had a suit, and he basically had a suit the entire time. Like that's what he had. But uh, there are some times where I forget what season it was, but everybody had like their like quote unquote interview clothing because they they would of course have to do like some interviews and stuff leading into the season. But that's what they were given was their interview clothing. And just oh, sort wow. of like, here you go. Have that's fun. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, so it's really interesting. It all depends. Um, I think it was I think it was Bryce who said that the the purple pants, which are now quite, you know, mythic and Infamous. epic in proportion, they weren't necessarily part of his original outfit that he would have worn on that season or would have like submitted to to cast. Wow. Um, that's why. So, yeah. So like a lot of the times you have to pick, you have to have a color, like you have to have a color scheme, um, depending on what color tribe you're on. Right. Um, they can't all, I believe there's something along the lines of like, they can't be the exact same color as well. So they have to be like variants, but yeah, useless information, but yeah, you know, I like it. You never know when it comes in handy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Vessi won the reward. Um, everybody takes off and gets back to the camps. Baca and Coco both have to do a, a another challenge back at their camp um, to try to earn their camp supplies. And they have a choice between two different competitions. So it's um, Savvy or Sweat. Savvy is where the tribe will work together to solve a brain teaser. But the uh, twist is, is that you only get one guess. And the Sweat is that two tribe members will work together to dig up the supplies from like this marked off area on the beach. Um, but during during the entire time that you're out there digging, you're not allowed to talk to the other tribe members or anything like they have to go away from your area and you're not allowed to talk to them or anything. Um, you get four hours for the task. And if you fail, you have no chance at getting supplies until right before the first immunity challenge. On the Baca tribe, Sammy volunteers for the sweat, but like nobody else wants to go out and like dig in the sand. And I think it was even, um, was it Owen who was like, dude, like, don't volunteer for that. Because if you do, then I'm going to have to volunteer with you. And I yeah. don't want to do this shit. Like, he was and, like, this is not okay. And that's the difference, too. Because 43, they've seen 41 and 42. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 42 didn't see 41 before they came and played. So you've got these people that have now have some idea of how sweat versus savvy works yep um now 41 and i think 42 as well were both the was it water carrying for 42 or no it didn't matter because they both did the uh they both did the triangles anyway to figure out how many triangles there were which was savvy but it's also interesting too that they don't show you like they tell you specifically what sweat is Mm -hmm. 
But for savvy, they just tell you that you have to answer a question as a tribe. Yes. And you don't see what it is. No. Yeah. They say it's a brain teaser. That's and all they say about it. Because I would have been screwed at this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This one seemed way fucking harder than the dig Count in the this. triangles. Yeah. yeah or way. dig in this specific area. I would have automatically yeah. wanted to do that first. You know what I mean? So the, the puzzle is they've got like bones pretty much or whatever. And the bones make out the numbers 5080. And the... The task is to move two bones to create the largest number possible out of, you know, what they have there. And you can only move them once. And you can only do this once. But they do give them a chalkboard to kind of like yeah. play with so they can like try to work it out on the chalkboard. But once they move the two of the bones or even one of the bones on the actual puzzle, that like that's it. That's it. And you only get one guess. So pressure's on. They got four hours. Baca decides to do the savvy challenge to do the, the, the puzzle. And over on the Coco camp, um, Ryan and Gio end up volunteering to do the sweat challenge. And this was like, this was fucking savvy. So they're in this giant fucking square where they have to dig through all this dirt. And nobody says like how deep or anything like that. Maybe they were told, but we weren't told, you know, if there was like a depth you know, specifications or anything, but they were just told to fucking dig and find your camp supplies. And Ryan decides to, you know, try to use this strategy of moving in an X um, from one corner to the other diagonally across the, the square to try to cover as much ground as possible. So him and Geo each start on opposite ends and they just start moving diagonally across the, um, across the square. And I found it so funny because they're sitting there and they're talking to each other and they're like, Dude, like, how cool would it be if we just, like, found this, like, in the within the first hour? Like, that would be so awesome. And then, like, Ryan reaches down to dig some sand out, and you can hear him, like, hit something. And then he just starts, like, going frantic, and he's just, like, digging up all this dirt and shit. And he freaking pulls the damn bag out. I think they said it was, like, less than 30 minutes that they were out there. It was, like, 34 minutes or something like that? Yeah. Some crazy. Like, what? It was a really smart strategy, too, because that... Brilliant. Yeah, that square, I think, was probably... I won't. 10 to 15 feet by 10 to 15 feet, I would say. It could have took them a long time yeah. to get yeah. through that. I mean, especially if you went, went, you know, try to... This way? Yeah. Because exactly. it was up more towards the top, and they had originally started at the bottom, so... But, you know, to go across it in that diagonal pattern, and then you get a little bit of backstory about Ryan during it, and it, it yes. was... It was it was a good scene. I liked it. I thought it was smart strategy. I think it showed uh, Ryan's a little bit more than just brawn, you know, which yeah. is what we've seen a lot of so far. Gives you another depth to him, another layer of the onion, as they say, or as I say. And he's super, like, super eloquent as well. Like, he's really, he's really well-spoken. Like, he's very intentional with the words that he uses. Also, like, by doing the X, even if they didn't find it on the X, then they would have basically created four quadrants that they could have used. And they could have either then done, like, a straight line across either and just sectioned it out further or just kind of blown through those four sections. But they definitely made the work a lot easier for themselves. Yeah, they oh, yeah. they definitely had a plan. And kind of going back to what you were saying about Ryan being like like eloquent and very you know very careful with his words, but he's very well spoken and he's extremely smart. And it's incredible what what he came from. So this was the other story that I was talking about in the beginning that I couldn't remember exactly whose it was. And this whole moment, hearing this whole story about Ryan's life literally just like made me fall in love with the guy like he is such an awesome person like 
I can't even imagine like the type of inspiration he puts out for, for kids who may be struggling, you know? So, um, for anyone who may not have caught it, Ryan was actually born three months early, which caused mild cerebral palsy. He couldn't work. He had a stutter in it, or I'm sorry, he couldn't walk and he had a stutter in his brain. The doc said that he would never walk, um, or anything like that. And his mom was resilient and said no effing way and, uh, took him to physical therapy. And I think he said they did physical therapy for like four years and he started walking and, you know, slowly started, um, kind of, he said, retraining his brain to be able to function and work the way that he does now. But I can't, that's just like, I don't even know what to say about that. Like that is just an incredible recovery story for his life to have started off that way. And then for him to now be doing what he, what he does now and being on survivor and being a lead character on this survivor season, being a lead person in their tribe. And it's just, it's incredible, dude. It's so incredible. I really hope we get a chance to talk to Ryan because I would love to know more about his life story. Yeah, he's one of the ones that I was super he was very high up on my list and you snagged him before I got a chance to, which <laughs> add in to add insult to injury. I started following him on Instagram. He started following me on Instagram and then we made our posts about our draft picks and then he comments about it, tagged me. Yeah, and was like, thanks for picking me. And I was like, Karina got there first. I didn't Sorry. have a choice. But you are in very good hands. It's so funny, too, because he didn't even I, I was telling Rick about this. I was like, he didn't even follow the podcast page, but he follows Tony. Damn it. I'm like, <laughs> I picked you. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's he's super cool. He also sent us a message um, that day when he saw the the teams and stuff. Yeah. Super, super awesome guy. I'm sure that we will have him on. I say I hope and I wish because I don't ever like to assume that people are willing to do podcasts and stuff, but I'm I'm fairly confident that he will eventually join us one day um we're already enjoying getting to know him and uh yeah it'll be a lot of fun to sit down with them but um anyway so after they get their bag out we jump back over to the uh to the baka tribe where um everybody's trying to figure out this puzzle and it cuts to a confessional with sammy and he's like he pretty much says in this confessional like i know how to do this puzzle but I don't want them to know just how good I am at this puzzle. And nobody's like, but at the same time, like nobody's figuring it out. And I'm part of this tribe. I don't want to have to freaking not have, you know, the flint and the pot and all of that. Cause that's no fire. That's, you know, no food, like all of this. And so he decides to kind of like, try to give them a little hint and he it was, go ahead. I was just going to say, it was really interesting to the way that he said it in his confessional was a matter of, he didn't want people to know how smart he was yeah. because he wanted to be able to basically enforce the perception that they already have of him of just being strong. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's like super astute as somebody who's like who watches the show and is now playing on the show to like have that concept and understand that like they already think that i'm strong if they also find out that i'm smart then i'm even more of a threat but i also have to find a way to help them because otherwise we're not getting this done also the dude is fucking 19 yeah yeah and so plus and minus on sammy and i'm saying this as he's on my team so i'm rooting for him is 
he's 19 so you do see that immaturity pop through from time to time in different parts of the show and we'll we'll get into that as we go i know me and karina kind of really discussed it during the the main immunity challenge also at the same time um like you said he he's got a good read on things and he's got a good understanding of what he needs to do but i also think he's 19 he likes to gloat (laughs) so i don't know how long that's gonna last even picking 22 as a fake age is yeah. smart because yeah. it's close enough to 19 that you can pass for 22, but it's far enough away from 19 that people don't just lump you in with being a teenager. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh dude, you're not even old enough to drink What the fuck you're out. Like, you know, but no, I think he's, he, he made a really good choice. And, and the way he presented this to the tribe when he was like trying to help them figure out the puzzle. Now, I don't know if it was intentional that he, showed them what they needed to do but didn't give them the right answer so the what you're supposed to do is the zero because it was five zero eight zero the first zero is obviously made out of four bones two on the top and one you know one on the top one on the bottom one on each side and so what what he said you were to do is to take the top and bottom bones off of the first zero and move it to the end so that it's like Five five zero eight one one. There you go. Five zero eight one one is what he was trying to make it, and then, and then as the they were trying somewhere else. To, yeah, and then as they were trying to do it, I think it was Justine, Janine, Janine. See, I keep getting those two picked up. It's Janine. Wes and Yes all over again. It is. Yeah, Janine jumps <laughs> in and she's like, "Oh wait, wait, wait! If we put it right here in front of the eight, it makes an even bigger number, and that's the biggest you know that you can go." And so they put the two bones there. It turns it into. Five one one eight one zero, and then they flipped the little card to see if they got it right, and of course they did. Um, so I would anyway, hundred percent have got that wrong. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without but question. I but I don't know if he knew that the that the two ones were supposed to go up in the front of the eight, and he was just like trying to give them an idea. Or if he really did, you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? I don't know if you know what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah, it, it worked out perfect for him, though. Because, it did. Because he gave them the idea, but he didn't give them the solution. It's, thank you. So That's it, a better way it, to it word played it. it. He played it pretty well if yeah. he didn't know the answer. I, I, Especially yeah, I, with the whole, you guys, I'm about to blow your mind, which yeah. is like classic guy who shouldn't know how to do this has somehow figured out how to do this thing yeah. and is super stoked on it exactly yeah and then it's it was the equivalent of hold my beer yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there you go so (laughs) yeah so they end up getting it right as well they get their camp supplies and you know everybody kind of goes off and starts building shelter trying to build fire etc 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 i i did find this pretty funny in this like I don't know. It just it, it made me like him, but it hops back over to the Vessi tribe and it's just kind of talking about how people are pairing up. Justine and Noel are really clicking up. Um, Cody and Neca, I think is how you yep. pronounce her name. Cody and Neca are pairing up and both of these two pairs want and think that they have Jesse on their side. So Jesse's just kind of <laughs> stuck in the middle here. And I thought this was just so like, like nerdy, but not like not like nerdy but like cute nerdy like it was so adorable he's like yeah endearing there you go he's like i feel like i got two invitations to two separate parties and i don't know which one i'm gonna go to and i was like oh my god i love you you are so fucking cute like ah i love that uh dwight's like my parents are never gonna let me hear the end of this (laughs) i 
They told me that I need to figure out how to build a shelter. And I was just like, yeah, I watched the videos. We're fine. We are not fine. Nobody knows how to build a shelter. <laughs> they didn't even know how to use the machete. They're like, does anybody know how to use a machete? And everybody's just hella quiet. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is going to be and then, like, while they're While they're making fire, it lights and then goes out. And then the entire roof falls on Dwight. Yes. And then... And Justine and Noel. And then while they're trying to get out from under it, the fire accidentally lights. Yeah, I thought that was fucking hilarious. That was so funny. Um, So if anyone's ever going to go on to Survivor, they should look up this way of making a fire. It's where you dig a little bit of a pit into the ground and then you dig another hole that runs, you know, down into the pit. So that way it feeds in oxygen and it's easier to create a fire. Just FYI. I'll link the the alone method. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes more sense, especially on an island where you're getting a lot of wind. Mm -hmm. So just throwing that out there. Fun fact. And it pretty much goes back to Owen, like trying to trying to be strategic with everyone on his tribe. And nobody is like nobody is game to be strategic like that conversation. And it's come up a lot on social media. Um, but the conversation between him and Gabler when they're yes. taking the water back and he's just like says to Gabler, like, if anybody says your name, I'll 100 percent let you know. Um, just like, let me know, if blah, blah, blah. And then like Gabler's silent Dead and the silent. camera just pans to Gabler on his face. And he's just like, well, rule number one is like, we don't want to go to tribal. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, nobody does. Um, but, but then like that was the same conversation over and over again. So you can see you can see that, like, everybody is sort of in, and I think Owen said this, too, like they're in this stage of holy crap, we're playing Survivor. Yeah, but they don't they don't have to vote anybody out yet. Right. So they're not at the point where they're really doing anything big beyond like the girls saying, like, we should stick together. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. But that even that was noncommittal. It was more so just like we all drive. Yeah, well, and I I think the girls saying that they were going to stick together, honestly, I think that was like, because obviously we know that that doesn't pan out through the end of the episode. But I think that those three girls, um, Ellie, Janine and Mariah, Mariah, I think it was because of that moment sitting around the fire where Ellie was telling the story about her sister passing away in 2020 from an overdose and just having that strong of a moment. It's easy to be like, yes, it's us three right now when you're bonding and, and, you know, having that moment together. I think ultimately Ellie has a really good hold and a really good read on this game. And I'm really liking her thus far. Um, But I definitely think that that was one of those like, quote unquote, alliances that was made in a heavy, heavily emotional moment that was never really going to like come to full fruition. Yeah, and I uh, I wrote this in my notes that Ellie is to Survivor what Kayla was to the challenge. Yes. She has that read on everything, and she's right. Like, she's got a really strong understanding of the game and people, and it's almost as if this is a returning player season and she's the only newbie because she has such a good read on everybody that's there. Right. But to your point with the stories, like, we've had so many really interesting stories And really, like, it's even just these little snippets have made these people so three dimensional and they're no longer just competitors. They are people that I like. It feels like we know. Yes. Um, There's a lot of complaining going on 
um, in some of like the survivor groups and stuff like that, that there's no longer villains um, because there's no one to root against. And I don't necessarily see that as a negative um, because like at one point they were basically, you were casting people who were somewhat unlikable or had the potential to um, like ruffle feathers or whatever. Whereas now you're getting these captivating stories and you're letting the not even disagreements, but you're letting the the differences of opinion and like those sort of conflicts happen organically yeah. with these people who have these great stories. And to me, I think that's better than trying to inject somebody into the game who is just there because you know that that personality isn't necessarily going to gel with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think like if you threw uh, like the only way it would work is if it was a split of 50 50, right? Like uh, 50 percent of people like Russell Hans and then 50 percent of the people like we have now where they're all likable. Yeah. If you threw one like villain in there, they'd be the first one out because they don't gel with their tribe this early on, and especially such a small tribe. Yeah. Six people. Like Jeff said, you can't hide in a six person tribe. No. And that's the thing. Yeah. And. The only thing I really want to add to this, and obviously, again, this is coming from somebody who is a newer Survivor fan, and I haven't seen all of this season, so if I'm wrong on this, definitely let me know. But I feel like it's not necessarily that they're casting differently or anything like that. I think there are still potential villain stories in this cast. But I think that, for example, kind of like what you said with you know their backstories and them showing these backstories and the depth that they have, allows us to relate and bond with these people. So it makes it harder to hate them. So like not hate them, but to not like them. Right. So for example, I right out the gate, I wasn't a big fan of Cody. I feel like he, he's just, he's, he's a lot for me. He's just, he's a little bit too much, just a little bit too much. Okay. But then I heard his backstory about his friend Devin and I was just like, I instantly, like, as soon as I heard it, I looked at Rick and I was like, God damn it, man. Like they went and made me like Cody. I thought he was going to be the, like, that was the one I was going to be like, oh, I can't wait for him to go home. And then they show me this story and I'm like, man, I just want him to stay and have fun and just live for his friend. And like, I don't, ah, I like him now. Damn it. <laughs> like, so I, yeah, I did the same thing. He was the one where I was like, Ugh. like when, when Corey, when Corey picked him, I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, because I I wasn't really after him because that that sort of chaotic energy doesn't always bode well on the island when you're the only one with that chaotic energy. Um, He reminded me a lot of Taylor from Millennials and Gen versus Gen Xers, Mm -hmm. where he just wanted to chill. He just wanted to have a good time and just like didn't wasn't as invested in like the survivor side of things but then he's also got that like approach to life that um jen from worlds apart did she was on the no collar tribe um and she was like she was like a surfer and she was just super chill but she still like did what she needed to do and i felt like he was a perfect mix of that going into the show Mm -hmm. and then as soon as he started talking and i started like getting to know god damn it yeah, like every single person <laughs> that I went into this show being on the fence about, I ended up really liking. And anybody that I already thought that I would like, I did. Yeah. See, I think the only one that I'm still like kind of on the fence on, and I it just depends. Like, 
and it's not even like per episode. It's literally per like moment or per scene. Cause some scenes I'm like, Oh my God, I adore you. You're, you're freaking adorable. And then other scenes I'm like, bro, I can't fucking stand you is Sammy. Like I'm so back and forth with him <laughs> right there on the, I tip over one edge and then I come back and I tip over the other way of the fence. And just like, I keep doing this teeter totter thing with him. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes before I decide where I'm sitting with Sammy the we'll we'll get into it we'll get into it i'm not gonna jump right ahead but um so after all of this after um you know we get jesse's backstory which is beautiful um you know uh the the vessie you know like you said the uh the vessie shelter crumbles the girls accidentally start a fire and then they put it right out again like it was just an absolute whirlwind of chaos at the vessie beach but um the all of a sudden, these boats start pulling up to the beaches. Um, and pretty much what they say is, you know, you got to send one of your tribe members away to go do, like, a mission, right? But they obviously don't tell us what it is. Each of the tribes use different tactics to choose who gets to go. But it does seem that everybody on all of the tribes is very aware that whoever they're sending off is potentially getting an advantage because yep. they saw 41 and 42. So... Coco ends up um, picking numbers. They they know that they have to leave the guys there um, for the guys to finish the shelters. And so I think, I believe it's James who's like, you know, is like, okay, everybody pick a number, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Carla ends up being the one who gets the number. And so she goes off for, to represent for Coco tribe. Baca does this like two finger count three. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think they put finger. I think everybody chose a number of fingers in however many you want. And then you count to four. Yeah. And then they count to 43 and whoever's finger 43 lands on is who's going. It ends up being Gabler. How that's easier than rock, paper, scissors. I don't know, but they're the ones who got savvy, right? So I'm not questioning it. Yeah. Um, so they end up sending off Gabler and then Vessi just comes down to a full volunteer. Dwight yeah. wanted to do it. I he, he said he was unsure about it, but I feel like he was just like playing that off. But I feel like he definitely wanted to fucking go. So they end up letting him go. And uh, Car- uh, Carla, Gabler and Dwight end up meeting on this other beach. They don't like officially give us a name for it, but I dubbed it Advantage Cove. There you go. Because Advantage it's no Cove. longer Shipwheel Island. Yeah, because I was like, it's not Shipwheel Island anymore. There's no shipwheel. It's like something totally different. But so they have to walk through the water to get to this little light or n- not little. This giant fucking rock. This massive, they're like, where's the big rock? And he's like, it's right there. But they have to like go through the water and rock over, walk over all these slippery rocks and all this crazy stuff to get over there. Once they get over there, it's a, it's a risk or no risk setup. So everybody has two cards, risk or not risk. And you can risk your vote to potentially get an advantage. Everyone who there's, okay. So first of all, there's three bags on the table, numbered one, two, and three. And depending on how many people risk their vote, whatever that number is. So if two people risk, you would draw out of the two bag. If three people risk, you draw out of three, et cetera, et cetera. In each bag, there's one chance for an advantage. And then the other chances in the bag are a lose your vote. If you decide not to risk your vote, then you're fine. You keep your vote. You don't draw out of the bag. Everything just stays the same for you pretty much. So I like this one because i like the fact i like the fact that everybody like that everybody knows i feel like it's going to add a really interesting layer to the game moving forward that you know there's three people on this beach and you know who could potentially have the advantage or who could have potentially lost their vote etc etc 
So I like this one, whereas like the ship wheel one, like you don't really know because they talk, but you don't ever yeah. know if that person's going to like keep their word. So Gabler and Dwight are both like trying to throw each other off. Like, yes, I'm for sure going to like trying to make the other one not risk their vote so that there's only one chance and they know they're getting the advantage. But unfortunately for them, they end up both risking their vote. Kayla decides that her vote is the most valuable thing in Survivor this early in the game, especially, which... And she's right. She's right. Like, you it's don't because want... because she's smart. That's why she's on my team. Dude, she's really smart. I like her. Um, so, <laughs> Kayla... Hive mind knows that's bullshit, but all right. <laughs> no, she was, she was my, one of my, like, top picks from the very beginning. Was she? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She seems really smart. Um, so... Carla keeps her her vote. Dwight and Gabler draw out of the bag and then they head back to their camps. You you have to look at it alone back at camp. Did you what Carla said in her like confessional afterwards? Because Gabler's like, see at the merge and then they leave. And she was like, Gabler said that he'll see me at the merge, <laughs> but I don't really know if we'll see them because one of them just lost their vote and the other one just got an advantage that makes them a threat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I did catch that. I forgot to write it down, though. Yeah, it. But it's true. It is. But the part that kills me is just moving forward a little bit is when they get back to the tribe and then like they both like go out of their way to announce it, you know, both in different ways. What were they supposed to say, though? Like, what do you what do you say? Because at that point you're on what, like day two on the island. You, You say, you know, you get a chance to either risk your vote or, you know, you tell them what it is and you tell them you did the opposite of what you fucking did. That's what I would do. I would say, no, I, I chose to play it safe, so I just kept my vote. But then if you like then the prop. So for Dwight, if you look at his tribe, Justine and Noel are tight. Cody and NECA are tight. Jesse's sort of lone wolfing it. But in reality, he's with Cody and NECA. Dwight is not mentioned in any of that. He's nowhere. Yeah. So Dwight doesn't really have anybody. So like per, as per the edit. So unless he actually says this is what went down, this is what happened, then he's got no chance of being able to do anything because like Jeff says it at the end of the next episode. But people always ask him, like, why do you why does everybody tell everybody everything now? And it's because trust is like one of the only currencies in this game. Right. So to be up front in that particular situation, normally I agree with you, like um, like in 41 when Xander lost his vote and like he only told Evie. Yeah. But he only told Evie. Then Evie went to Shipwheel Island, told Deshaun. Everybody. But then yeah. she also told Tiffany and Liana. So everybody ended up knowing so by the end of it, it was this idol that he had that everybody knew that he had, but he didn't end up even having to use it until the very end. And then he just used it to use it. But Dwight's story, while being 100 percent accurate, was so complicated yeah. because it's so hard to explain. I went to an island. They told us we had to walk over to a big rock. When we got there, there was these three bags and we had two cards and then we had to talk to these other two people. And then by the end of it, Cody's like, I'll believe a word he said. I don't believe a word he said. No. Like he actually told the truth and only the truth. It was a reverse JD from 41. Where JD told this super elaborate story that he didn't need to. And then you could see everybody watching him and listening to him. They're like, This kid's full of shit. Like that is not what happened. 
and and maybe for Dwight, like it, it doesn't matter because of the situation. But to me, in a Gabler situation where you have an idol, I would have just said I didn't risk it. I still have my vote. It is what it is. But here's the thing: think about it this way: if he goes back and he tells them I didn't risk it, I still have my vote, and then he gets warped into an alliance for voting in tribal council, what's he going to do when they find out that? He doesn't have his vote. So he, uh, but he does have his vote. No, doesn't he doesn't. He? he ends up losing it, and Gabler gets the idol. Not Gabler. Yeah, no. he's talking about Gabler, though. Yeah, I'm talking about Gabler. Not like Rick's not talking Gabler. about Gabler. Well, yeah, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know when he's telling his tribe. He doesn't know shit yet. Then I would just say I didn't do anything. I, you know, that's it. But what if he ended up losing his vote? Is what I'm saying. And then he has to go back and be like, Ah, just kidding. I lied to you guys, and I don't have a vote to help vote you your way don't this week. Say anything. But they'll find out at tribal. That's what I'm saying. He won't. Ha- there won't. There will be one less person, one less vote. There'll only be five votes instead of six. And unless then everybody's somebody, gonna know he lied. But unless the first three votes are one person, then they'll that's never a lot get- of what ifs. Though I don't. Yeah. Know, I wouldn't risk it because, like Tony said, like especially this early in Survivor, trust is like the biggest fucking currency. And I if, just if you start off the bat lying to people, you're gonna be the next one out. Yeah, it is, but unless you have, like, you know, the protection of an idol that you can't get voted out, you know what I mean? The other side of it, too, is, like, when Xander came back from Shipwheel Island, because Xander lost his vote because of the beware advantage, um, when he came back from Shipwheel Island, he said, I risked it because that way we would have an advantage going into the merge Yeah, that we can use when we get to the merge. So right. using it as a tribe thing. And that was, I believe what Gabler was kind of saying was it can help us. Now in the end, it wasn't an individual immunity idol. So, but yeah. if it was um, like an extra vote, then that could potentially help the tribe when you get to the merge or when you get to a swap or anything like that, where you could be down in numbers. It's just strange. Not only is it strange that it was an immunity idol that you got, without having to do anything other than risk your vote, but it's an immunity idol that lasts for your two tribal first two tribal councils. So not even just like the first two, it's your first two. Yeah. So he's safe the next time that they go to tribal regardless, which it's kind of loaded for like day two. Yeah. And I get that. I guess I just have a different perspective after watching 42 where everybody knew everybody's fucking idol for the most part. Only like Marianne was like the only one that I think kept hers under. I feel like this season will be the same, but like everybody else. And and so it kind of made it unexciting because some of the coolest parts of Survivor that I've seen is where they go to vote someone and somebody plays an idol. You know what I mean? Well, Tyson even said that on like winners at war when they would find they would get an advantage because the game has changed so much since some of them have played that. When somebody gets something, they immediately know within like two or three days because everybody or like two or three hours rather, because you tell one person and then it just ripples through whoever. But that's and that's why Marianne was able to keep her secret is because she told no one about it. Right. So no one knew versus um, there was an advantage. I want to say it was the knowledge is power advantage from 41 that omer and um jonathan found yeah but it didn't end up coming into play so it didn't make the edit but omer told Lindsay, and then jonathan found out that Lindsay knew and then that was what sort of like soured some of the relationship between omer and jonathan was because it was supposed to just remain between the two of them and no one was else supposed else was supposed to know that it was even 
a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we just went anyway, off on tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Back to 43. Um, <laughs> so after, you know, these two have their truth spilled to their tribes, we find out that Gabler um, ended up getting the advantage, which was the, uh, the two tribal idol. Um, and Dwight lost his vote. We head over to the first immunity challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just looking at my notes. I, to Rick's point, one of my note, the note after the immunity idol for the next two tribals is kind of heavy for the first three days. The next note is so far, everyone knows everything anyone has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I say that when they show the shot of this uh, immunity challenge, that yeah. drone shot that comes up and then comes back in the reverse. One of the coolest fucking shots. I love oh, Survivor great, for that. They yeah. have great drone yeah. footage. Yeah, for it, sure. They It's really well produced on that end. And this is one of my favorite challenges, too. Um, the the front end changes from time to time. Yeah. But the back end of, like, there's three different options. And yeah. the order that you come is the order that you pick. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I do, too. So so for this one there, um, the tribes are going to be racing through some obstacles and they have to collect three balls. After they collect these three balls, one player has to dig underneath a log and be able to crawl their body underneath it and then release a ramp on the other side. Once they do that, all the rest of the tribe members can just like hop, hop over the log and then they all have to work together to get up this ramp. Once they get up over the ramp, they have to get across a beam that is like multi-layered with like different variations of thickness and height and all of that. But once one or two people get across, they can untie and uh, untie the strings and st the ropes and stuff and then flip the beam open. So it's a lot easier to get everybody across. Once everybody's across, the first tribe to get there picks the table game. There's three table games. One of them is a maze. One of them is an obstacle course and one of them is a straight shot. And it's one of those like tilting things where you have to tilt the ball down and get it in the hole at the end. First two tribes to finish get immunity. So I didn't write down like I didn't go into depth through every step <laughs> of this fucking thing. But one thing that I did notice that I was just like, oh, my God, was Janine trying to get underneath that log. And she thinks that she has enough space and yep. she goes she goes on her back where she's facing up towards the log and you don't notice it until later, but you can see she's like stuck under the log and she's like trying to wiggle in and out and stuff. And that yep. log is just rubbing against her face and you see it later, like her chin lost so many layers of skin when later in the episode, once they're done with the challenge and they get back to their beach, she's sitting out in the water, like cleaning all the mud and stuff off. And I thought she just still had mud on her chin. But it's not. It was literally. Yeah, it's just a huge, like, oh, not a gash, gosh. but like, yeah. Like almost like rug burn, but to just an, an umph degree. Like it was insane. And then the other thing that really stood out to me was fucking Ryan, dude. Dude's a beast. Dude is incredible. Like he got up that thing so quick. He's helping pull everybody up. James, every, once the whole tribe gets up, James is the only one left down at the bottom and he can't get up to the point. His damn pants are falling down around his ankles. And uh, Ryan jumps back down off the ramp and helps push James up this thing. And then once he gets James up, he just takes a couple of steps back, gets a little bit of a run and start and just like walks up this freaking wall damn near <laughs> and like gets up there on his own. I was like, dude, this guy is a badass. Like, oh, my God. I was thoroughly impressed with that. 
what I love about Ryan though is he's a low key badass. So yes. Jonathan, there was nowhere for him to hide. He is like this huge gargantuan dude that is like built like a brick shit house, and there is no way to not see Jonathan. Yeah. Whereas Ryan is like either that there are more people that are roughly his height on his tribe and in this season. Yeah. Or or and there's like there are some people who are also fairly um, well built on this season as well. So it's a little bit easier for him to kind of hide in and around. But he's still out in front every time. Yeah, absolutely. Everything when they were like jumping ahead next episode when they're swimming, he's the first one to hit the cages. Like every every time that Coco is doing fairly well in like a physicality side of things he's usually right there in the mix absolutely yeah he's he's fucking killing it i'm like super happy that i drafted him to my team and then the other thing that stood out to me about this first half bless his soul gabler tries to do the same thing that ryan did where he tries to just run and like take a couple steps on the ramp and grab somebody's hand and he ends up like m- like sliding and misstepping and just like face plants into that wall. And I was just like, yep. oh, my God, bless your soul. I love you. I hope you're OK, Gabler. <laughs> that looked like it freaking hurt. So do you want to say, I mean, we've already said that, like, I think we've already said Mariah is ultimately the one who is no is the mayor of Ponderosa. She is the first one eliminated from the game. They said it was because she was weak in challenges, but her and Janine were together on the first puzzle. And she was one of she was one of the first people on the mat through the mud in the first section of this challenge. Yep. She also took like it took a second or two, but she made it across the balance beam before everyone else. Yeah. And she started untying those knots. Sammy then fell into the mat or into the net, which I don't recall seeing anybody else do. Right. And so every element of this challenge and the last challenge. The only thing that I could think of is that her and Janine may have taken a little bit longer to put the puzzle together. That first block right, box. Yeah, yeah. But every other aspect, she was towards the front right. of her tribe. And then you've got Sammy that falls. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Sammy and Gabler who struggle with the maze. And you've got Janine who is stuck under the log. So, how there are several the- aspects. Yeah, there are like at least three other people that should be in contention. Yeah, I but agree. I do have a theory as to why it didn't work. And we can talk about that in like 10 minutes when we get there. Awesome. But that was <laughs> something that I wanted to make a point of saying. And it didn't make sense to say after everything, since we're already at this exact challenge. No, that's yeah, no, that's perfect. So uh, so Coco ends up making it up to the tables first and they take the maze. Baca is second and they take the obstacle course with like these little wedges and squares and stuff that you have to make the ball around. And then Vessi ends up getting the straight shot. Now, hopping back just a couple of seconds to what you were just talking about with Sammy and Gabler. This moment is what made me. This was one of those moments with Sammy where I was like, bro, I don't like you. OK, I don't like you right now. He is like yelling at Gabler and blaming it on Gabler. But what is funny to me is that no matter which side, because at one point they end up switching sides, um, Sammy and Gabler do, they end up switching sides of the puzzle. And no matter which side he's on, the ball always seems to fall off on Sammy's side. 
But Gabler is getting all the freaking blame from this guy. And then, and then I find out that Gabler is a fucking heart valve specialist. And I'm like, you're trying to tell me that he's the one with the shaky hands? He's the one that can't control? No, Sammy, take some damn responsibility, okay? I know you're only 19, but come on, man. Like, that was partly you too. Like, <laughs> what the F? <laughs> Whereas, like, the flip side, Noelle and Jesse yeah. had, like, the they had arguably one of the harder puzzles because there are those, like, the sides where you can very easily just lose it. Yeah. But to go like one behind the other and to do smart. it that way, that was super smart. And Brilliant. it's another instance of Vessi. Vessi looks like an overly strong tribe. Yes. More so than an overly smart tribe. If you're looking at just like if you had to choose strength or smarts, you're going to look at that tribe and say strength rather than smarts. Not to right. say that they don't have smarts because they clearly do. So there's I feel like they're the ones that are underestimated. Yeah. Because you expect it seems like you expect the yellow tribe to be very strategic. You expect the blue tribe to be fairly strong, but you don't really know where red falls. falls yeah. And the Vesi tribe is like consistently an even mix. They seem to be the most balanced tribe. Right. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. Kind of kind of speaking to that. Coco ends up winning this um, on the maze puzzle. Vessi is struggling at first, but once they figure out that strategy of Jesse standing behind Noel, instead of having one of them on each side of the board, they both stand center and he stands behind her and they just kind of do it like that. They freaking drop those balls in just like back to back to back. Like it was cake. Yeah. And Baca keeps just dropping their balls off on Sammy's side, by the way. <laughs> and they end up losing and they are going to tribal. Now, I think that this next moment speaks a lot for Gabler and his, like who he is as a person, because they all get back to their camp. And the first thing Gabler does is he like apologizes to the team. He feels bad for not being able to pull it out in that final, you know, board puzzle. And he tells them that he is not going to hide behind his immunity idol, promises he's not going to use it at this tribal, and that instead he's going to take a shot in the dark. And yep. I was just like, like, that is for, well, I mean, in a game like this, it's not very smart, obviously, but on like a respectable level and like morals and principles and stuff like I was just like, dude, I like this guy so fucking much. And I, I like I really didn't want to like get super connected to Gabler because I know that he's not Corey's team. Well, no, just because I know that like the, the older people tend to go earlier in Survivor. You know, they don't yeah. you typically tend to make it towards the end. They don't typically tend to win. And so I didn't want to like and I always fall in love with the older people on these shows like Big Brother survivor i always fall in love with the older ones i don't know why it's just like it's like mom and dad in the house right or on the beach or whatever and gabler's totally like dad of the of the of the tribe and so like i really didn't want to fall in love with him and then every little thing he does i'm just like oh my god i fucking love you man like but he's talking about taking his shot in the dark and of course like ellie is like not fucking having it she i agree with her i yes i under i agree with what you're saying I absolutely agree with what you're saying, if not for one element. If it was just a matter of you draw the you put the dice in and then you draw out a cart a piece of paper and you're either safe or you're not, right. Fine. But you also lose your vote. When yeah. you're at like your six person tribe, 
you cannot risk your vote to just show that you won't use your immunity idol. Just don't exactly. use your immunity idol just and say you're it. not going to and then don't do it and then still have your vote. And that's that's the best thing that you can do. Um, so I agree with you. It was super noble. And but saying I'm not going to use my immunity idol, this tribal, because I don't want to hide behind it. That's fine. Enough. Game set match. That's enough. That's all you need to do, bud. Yeah, like exactly. And nobody's going to vote you out anyway. Like literally yeah. nobody on that tribe was talking about Gabler in that way. Like Ellie, of course, we find out she sits down, she talks Gabler out of it. And she pretty much tells him like, bro, we need your vote. Like, don't do that. Just we need your vote. And she tells him, she's like, look, I, I want to get rid of Mariah because I want to keep the strength on the tribe. You know, cuts over. Mariah's pretty much shooting for Owen, and she thinks she has everybody, you know, voting for Owen. Oh, and this is the moment where they're all sitting out in the water, and you see Justine's chin, and, or um, Janine's chin. And, oh, my <laughs> gosh, I, I messed up their names again. But I didn't even catch it that time. But you see her chin, and, oh, my God, I thought it was mud on her face, and it's not. Oh, my God, I felt so bad. Yeah, so Mariah's going for Owen. She thinks she's pretty much got everybody else except for Owen voting with her for Owen. And, uh, you know, Ellie's been going around campaigning to get Mariah out and everybody heads off to tribal. So this is where I was going to say, if she would have tried to go for Janine, this would have been a different conversation. Not that it would have worked. It could have very easily not worked. Right. But she's going. So the whole concept of first vote is. Pretty much 99% of the time, keep the tribe strong. Right. So like it or not, the men on the tribe are perceived to be the strength of the tribe. Right. And that's not to say that it's accurate or inaccurate. That's just the perception traditionally. Right. And Owen is one of the ones that has been doing better in the challenges, at least like the first. Well, there's only been two. So in these first two challenges, he's been doing fairly well, like middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, but the two who were kind of side by side, Janine and Mariah did that block puzzle at the very beginning. Janine got stuck under the log and Mariah conceivably was slow somewhere, although I don't know where. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in that situation, unless she guns for Janine, there's not going to be a conversation that she's going to be able to have that's going to trigger anything. Yeah. But what I, the only the other thing I could figure is that she wasn't as quick to pivot into we're no longer Kumbaya. We need to get somebody out. So that is the perceived weakness, not necessarily physical strength, but the ability to make those decisions when you need to make those decisions. Right. Um, that was the only thing I could really figure out. It was the only thing that made sense within the confines of what they're saying about her. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that I think we see a little bit of, you know, this we see a little bit of what was bothering everybody kind of when we get into tribal and Jeff starts asking yeah. all of his questions. Obviously, we didn't see these conversations happening on the beach, but I'm like sure that they also happened on the beach. But I think one thing that really kind of rubbed everybody wrong was the way that she was looking at this loss. And she, you know, was kind of preaching about how, oh, you know, well, we did our best and nobody quit and yay. And we still won. Yay. And, you know, and Sammy points out, he's like, look, moral victories are great, but they don't do shit for you when you're in tribal council. They don't count here. 
you know, and that, I think that that's a lot of what it came down to. And even Ellie said, you know, she was like, at this point, like, it's not for me, it's not about who possibly cost the cha- cost us the the win on the challenge or, you know, whatever. It's about who's out here and making the effort to be part of connect yeah. with me and, you know, all of that. And, you know, I think it just came down to Mariah just didn't connect with enough people. She didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really necessarily think it was about her strength. I think it was more about her lack of like she was connected with everybody, but she wasn't connected the way some of these other people were. And I think that that's really what ended up sending her home. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think the main thing is she was slow on the draw. You know what I mean? If she would have got in there quicker. With just gone going for Janine, yeah, I I agree with Tony. Yep. We're having a different conversation, but she was she came in well, with she Owen. went for the wrong person. Yeah, she went for the wrong person, yep. and then she didn't pivot early enough to make a real change in the vote. Yeah, you know, and I think day. she looked at it. She looked at it as Owen doesn't seem to be the one that's connecting with as many people. Which, if you go back to the very beginning. Owen connected with every single person individually. Yes, exactly. It's just a matter of like he might not be as overt with it because he's also at the beginning one of the very few being strategic. So right. it probably blew up even more for her by trying to go after the person that what she didn't realize is that they he had already had those conversations mm-hmm. with all the people that he needed to have those conversations with. Right. So the, I, I understand where Sammy was coming from with at the very least entertaining the conversation because I feel like he and Owen are going to play a very similar game. So if they get too deep into the game, they're eventually going to have to take one another out or they're going to have trouble at final tribal because they're going to have a fairly similar story on how they got there. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much it for episode one. Mariah ends up getting her torch put out and is sent home. I think this is a a good spot to give these people our anchor ad. Let's go. I just want to put it out into the world how much I actually hate the fact that um, when you lose the challenge, you lose your flint. Yeah. That's only I, new. That's new as of, I think, 41. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, that. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It's, it's new as of 41. It's just dumb. I understand the concept is like you lost. So then you have you, something is taken from you, but like an entire person is taken from your tribe. I feel like that is sufficient. Right. Not only that, but like, if you don't have a fire, say your fire goes out and you don't have Flint to get it started again. Yeah. That means you're either using two pieces of wood, which mm-hmm. not as many people know how to do anymore because they do provide you with Flint. Right. Or you're just going without, which means that you won't be able to cook anything that you catch. Yeah. And I guess at this point it doesn't matter because they didn't get fishing supplies because they lost. Right. <laughs> but do you get my point? Um, there's yeah. nothing there's nothing to cook. You can't cook your rice or anything else, which you don't have rice, whatever. Right. You can't even boil you can't, water. You can't. Yeah. You yeah. Can't do anything. I was going to say that you can't boil water, but I don't even know if they need to boil water anymore because they come like they go to their well. But their well seems to be like a much more of a canister now than it was before. Yeah, because I agree. At one, like in the earlier seasons, you did have to boil your water and you couldn't drink it without boiling it. 
Right. But I they don't mention it as much now, so I feel like it might not be uh, a thing anymore. Yeah. Well, for the oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say for the foreshadowing of not having fire, and if it rains, it ends up fucking raining like right when you get into the episode, pretty much. And I know we'll go into yep. some of the conversation before that, but it, to speak to what you're talking about, like they could have lost their fire for until the next tribal, yeah. you know, or, or the next challenge, you know, and that's a couple of days. And when you're yeah. on a tropical island, it's wet. You get cold. It's it's super easy to get sick from something like that. Like hypothermia well, yeah. is sick. I've been watching. Um, I've been. I don't know if I told you guys. I've been watching a show called The Island. Basically, I ran out of episodes of Alone because not all of it is on Prime. So I started just kind of poking around. And I found The Island, which is hosted by Bear Grylls, and it's sort of like a perfect mix of Alone and Survivor. Group of fourteen guys drop them on an island. Uh, they have three machetes, three knives, and a day supply of water, and he's going to pick them up in four weeks. Wow. Interesting. There are caiman crocodiles on the island. There are scorpions. They're, they have to find the water. Then they have to boil the water. They have to find the beach. Um, they get dropped off basically on the other side of the island, and they have to trek through the jungle to get mm-hmm. to their beach. Wow. Um, if they choose to go to one of the beaches. Right. And yeah, they don't have any supplies they can take. They can use whatever washes up on shore, sort of alone style. Mm-hmm. But yeah, first season was four weeks, um, 14 guys. The second season, which I just started, there's two islands. One island is 14 guys. One island is 14 girls. Same deal, um, except it's for six weeks this time. But oh, just shit. dropped off on an island. Wow. Like I said, three, three knives, three machetes. Right no flint or anything like that. Like they're starting fire by rubbing two sticks together. Yeah. But they have to make sure that that stays lit because if it goes out, then it's game over. Right. Yeah. So here's, here's my only thing. It's not even really an argument. I guess it's more of a of question or a, 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 a general wonderment about <laughs> the, the flint and the fire thing is. So I know in previous episodes and I don't, I don't know if they still do it, but I know in previous episodes when you go to tribal and then when you leave tribal, you take your torch torch. with you. And so that would be the only argument that I'm like, if they do get to still take their torches back to camp and they're lit, then they can obviously get fire that way. Obviously the storm fucks that up a lot, but um, that would be my only like, Okay, I can see because at that point you're just going from when you leave the immunity challenge to when you go to tribal, which is just later that night. So that's my only argument for that. But then again, the weather comes into play and then it kind of scratches that whole thing out. So but also if you if you pay attention to I'm not saying you're not paying attention, but if like if you look at (laughs) that sound, that was very accusatory. Um, If you paid attention, Karina, most of the time when they come back to camp. Their torches are out. They're just are like they? stacking their torches by a tree yeah. or like by whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's a matter of they do the walkout with their torches lit and then, and they, then them out. they like put them out and then so take they them because they're never fires. they're also never lit when they go to tribal anymore. Right. No. Yeah. Because initially, like in the earlier seasons, you would actually like go to tribal. But right. now you basically walk the beach. Yeah. And then yeah. get picked up. And then go to tribal exactly. and then come back <laughs> and then walk the beach back and they record you doing both. No, that makes sense too. Yeah, no, but I, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't like that they take their fire. Like 
I don't know. I, I feel like there could be something else that they could do rather than take like yeah. their only means for actual true survival out there. <laughs> take their shoes. Yeah, exactly. But only their left shoe. It also <laughs> makes it more. They, it makes that tribe more likely to have to go back to tribal the next time. Exactly. If it is a matter of like they don't have their flint, so they can't cook. They can't do whatever. Yep. And then if they don't have that advantage, then they're going to continue to be disadvantaged. Um, yeah. Yep. There have been seasons where you could go and raid other right. tribes. Yes, I you, remember you seeing won, that. Yeah, so if you won the challenge, you would then be able to go and take, it was either one thing or two things mm-hmm. from the opposing tribe. Right. Um, whatever you wanted. So sometimes it was a tarp, sometimes, and that like that could be attached to your roof, and you yeah. have to take your roof apart to give them the tarp. Yeah. Or like a pan or a pot or I whatever. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing an, uh, a season with that. That, that was wild. <laughs> I, I do want to say that it was Pearl Islands, like the, the pirate, like the pirate themed season. But yeah. that would make sense. Now that you're saying it, like maybe that's a better idea is like they all start off with like a pot and like a flame. And if you lose a challenge, you lose your pot. So you don't have anything to cook. You have to cook o- over fire if you have the ability to cook something. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Instead of taking fire, which is like a basic life necessity when you're in the wild. Yeah. I mean, Jeff says fire represents life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But let me take your flint. Let me take your fire. You didn't didn't do so well in the mazy thing. Please give me your life on this island. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) It just seems a bit harsh for losing a challenge. Yeah. Not only that, but the sorry for you. Is like a I kick that's in the teeth. messed up. That's it's so, so disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. Or, Sorry for you. Or like make it where like, hey, you know what? You came in last place, so at the next immunity challenge, you have a thirty second delay till you start yours. Something. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. You know. Just I don't know. Throwing ideas out there. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, so thank you guys. Welcome back. Obviously, you guys know we're back from the ad now. We're back. <laughs> we are back. Oh shit. Back from the anchor ad. Back in back. Anyway, so episode two opens up with everybody kind of getting back to their uh their tribes and their beaches. And Owen starts out by apologizing. Holy crap tour. Dude, yes. He starts out by apologizing to the tribe for getting like super anxious and weird right before tribal and then like thanks them for keeping him. And I'm just like, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors with this right now. Like I think literally what like one person wrote his name down. Like yeah, they're calm gone down. Now. Calm down, but yeah, okay. <laughs> like I was trying to figure that out as we were watching. I, I, I was like, why is he freaking out? Like the one person that wrote his name down was the person that left. Exactly, it was Mariah. Like well, calm down, bro. It's okay. <laughs> like it's like that guy that you know gets nervous when he's around girls, and he's like, are, are you okay? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Like, no, yeah, bro, you haven't bro. done nothing. I'm just sitting here. Fuck. Calm down. Unless we didn't, unless there was more that we didn't see, and it was actually closer to being yeah. a flip to Owen. Yeah. Maybe. And then it just went back to Mariah. I know Mariah got four votes, and, and Jeff said, that's four, that's enough. And there's only six they people. Were, they were all Mariah except for Mariah's, which was Owen. Exactly. Granted, only two of them actually spelled Mariah correctly. Yes, I know. I did notice that one of them was Maria, M-A-R-Y-A, Maria. I was like, Which okay. is, I believe there was a girl named uh, Mariah last season, and that's actually how you spelled her name, which was kind oh, of wow. funny that 
Yeah, there's there's something going around where it's the curse, uh, like the M curse, I yeah. where that. you go out on your first tribal. Um, uh, but I think Gabler spent, spelled it M-O-R-Y-A, and then Sammy was M-A-R-Y-A, and then there were some that just had one R, and then it was Owen and Janine that spelled that it correctly. It right, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised nobody spelled it like Mariah Carey, just putting that out there. I would never tell anyone on Survivor how to spell my name. And I could be like, that's not me. That's T-O-N-I. not me. The fuck? Yeah. Who's T-O-N-I? T-O-N-I-E. Hmm. <laughs> you should change your name so it is T-O-N-I-E. That way. Because nobody write, will spell it like that. Yeah, that way when they <laughs> fucking go up and write T-O-N-Y, I'd be like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Who the fuck is that? It's not me. They fucking write Ricky, but just forget the E at the end. I'm like, nope, that's not me, dude. That's not me. I'm staying. Is there another Ricky? Right. <laughs> they just invalidated their vote. <laughs> I.e. vote. Anyway, so right after this, they, it, you know, it shows this giant storm breaking out, which, you know, we kind of brought up a minute ago. But this storm rolls in, heavy winds, heavy rain, and everybody's just kind of like, you know, bunkering down in their quote unquote shelters, which are not proving to be very weather efficient. <laughs> It's like, I can't remember which tribe it was, but the rain was just like falling in like through their roof right on top. Was it Baca? I thought it was Baca, but I wasn't 100% sure. Um, But yeah, it's just like pouring down in through their roof just on them. And they're all just sitting in there like trying to like, I'm like, you're not. What are you doing, man? I actually gave Sammy credit. I gave Sammy credit for a line that somebody said on the island because I had just watched the first episode of the island and focused on the guys camp. Mm. And they had a torrential downpour mm-hmm. and the rain was basically just coming through their entire roof. Oh, and one of the guys God. was like, well, there are some changes that we'll have to make to our roof to improve it just a little bit, namely tearing the whole thing down and starting again. Start over. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have put money on the fact that that was Sammy that said it on Survivor <laughs> rather than one of the guys from the show, The Island, that said it. And on the rewatch, I was like, oh. That wasn't Sammy at all. He said something kind of the same, but totally different. I was yeah. going to say he really kind of showed his age in this next comment after the. Oh, downpour, my God. He's yeah. like, you know, when it's raining, I'll just like hang out or go inside like a, a gas station. Wait for my mom to pick my mom. Yeah. Wait for my mom to pick me up. It's like, <laughs> what? I like, was like, I was sitting there. I was like, your mom. Oh, wait, shit. He's only 19. God yeah. damn, Karina. <laughs> And then I was like, it sounds like your mom. What are you talking? What the fuck are you talking about? And then I started thinking about more. It's like it rains like once a year in Las Vegas for like 10 minutes. Like how (laughs) how big of an issue is this that you have to go to convenience stores when it rains? Oh, my God. Right. It was a great line. It was. It was. It was. It was. was, Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So pretty much everybody obviously struggles through this rain. Not like pretty much none of them had a shelter good enough to keep them dry through this. And the storm was crazy, but jumps to the next day. And, you know, everyone's kind of struggling, but Gabler is really struggling. He's mm. has severe nausea. He's super weak. He ends up taking a couple hours to just kind of go lay in the shelter in the bed um, while everybody else is kind of working <laughs> well, on the around <laughs> building around him and stuff like that, trying to fix the roof and everything. And it, it's just it's not a good look. It's not a good sign. And it makes me sad because, again, this whole time, all through episode one, I was like, don't 
like this guy. Don't fall for the old guy, okay? Because he's going to go early in the game, earlier than you're going to want him to, most likely. But it's a good thing they kept the tribe strong. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't somebody say say something like that? They're like, Dude, I can't remember who said uh, it. Yeah, but- I think it was... Uh, I think it was um, Owen said something along the lines of like, maybe we miscalculated the strength. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's my thing is, is like from last season, like I get it like towards like day 20 or even day 15 where Jonathan was really bogged down and had to lay down all the time because he is a bigger guy. Right. Just like Gabler is. Uh, Well, Gabler's not as big, but still a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, But dude, you're at day five. Yeah. Like. That's, you you got to power through through day five. Yeah, at least at the at even the Sammy said it. He's like, we got a long way to go, bud. Yeah, this yeah. is just the beginning. So I, back over on I I I keep forgetting whose tribe which tribe everybody's Vessie. on, but back over on I believe it's Vessi, Dwight, and uh, Jesse are um, working together on the uh, looking for an idol. They're kind of out just looking around together. And Jesse starts making, starts talking about how he kind of wants to find like a partner, like somebody that he can really like trust and ride this game out with. And, you know, and he starts talking to Dwight and he deems him his island wife <laughs> and says he's going to make him a ring at a, at a palm fronds. And I'm just like, this is sure incredible. Cody could do it for him. <laughs> dude, his hat. That thing was actually his pretty, pretty dope, awesome. Right. I was like, dude, that's pretty sick. And that's actually the next, the next scene I think, or whatever is they go and they show Cody in his little hat thing. I was like, that's awesome. Can I just say like getting the backstory on Dwight and I'm just saying this also because he's on my team, but yeah. Finding out that he was like a junior journalist and got to like interview some really big name politicians like Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Clinton. Colin Powell. Col- yeah. yeah, I mean, like just some, and I mean, even other big name ones. I think there was a picture of him with Mitch McConnell, who's like the majority yeah. leader it's of the Senate. But yeah, yeah, it is unfortunate. <laughs> like the dude's got a but turkey. Still, there was a- there wasn't even a content warning on that. It was just like boom, Mitch McConnell turkey neck. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's um, it, it, like how cool of an experience is that for like, you know, a, a young cool. child. And Super when I say cool. young, yeah. like 10, 11 years old. But yeah, yeah no, I just it, it, another layer to the onion. Yeah, exactly. Also, how great is it that even in Survivor, we have an instance of Chekhov's gun with Cody's hat? Oh, my God. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Which like so good. Like it it paid off so well in a way that it only could have paid off in this specific circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> and I will, of course, leave it vague, but it's so perfect. And I guess, like, the concept of, of Chekhov's gun, for anybody who is unaware, is basically if the gun is visible in the first act, it's shot by the the end of the play. Right. Um, like, you, it has to come into play. Yeah. And if it's not going to be fired, then why is it hanging there? Yeah. It pays off. Yeah. It absolutely <laughs> pays off. <laughs> So after the scene with, um, you know, Dwight and Jesse and we hear about Dwight's backstory, it, uh, you know, he kind of talks a little bit about Cody and, you know, he's like, he's not too sure of Cody says that Cody doesn't really talk game or anything. He's just kind of always kind of off just in his own little world doing his own little Cody thing. But what I found interesting is that like in episode one, Justine seemed to be like kind of like, um, I don't want to say like a necessity or anything like that, but she was really vibing with it seemed like she was vibing with the tribe. She got the fire started. She seemed like a total like, you know, guys, girl kind of girl. 
And then all of a sudden flip to this episode and she's freaking out over spiders everywhere in the fucking wild. Like, yes, honey, there are going to be spiders everywhere. That's why I don't go there. But that is the one reason that Karina is not on Survivor. The spiders, the spider. Well, the spiders and the people I was telling Rick earlier, I was like, (laughs) I was like, I couldn't I couldn't. There was one moment. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I think it was um, Justine and I can't remember who she was. Anyway, she like was tapping him on the top no, of his head, like it was, patting it's him. The therapist oh, that was and Ellie, Ellie and, uh, and Owen. And Owen. And yeah. I was sitting there and I was like, I was like, dude, if that was me, I would be like, if you freaking hit me in the head and pat me like a damn dog again, I'm going to flip out. Like <laughs> that would be me in that moment. That was, that was during her confessional about Sammy and Owen being her children. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, so apparently Justine is like super like she's just constantly complaining about every little thing, just whining and complaining. And then on top of that, she's freaking like bossing people around, like standing there doing nothing but telling Sammy and them what to do with and where to place the, the bam. Or I'm sorry, Cody. Yes. Where to place the, you know, the bamboo sticks and how to build the shelter and all that while she's just like standing there with her arms crossed, not doing a fucking thing. You know, and I'm just like, that never bodes well for anybody in Survivor. Like, never. So she, her, I don't, I was just like, at this moment, I was like, dude, you are putting a really big target on your back for no reason. And then apparently she's also not making relationships with like literally anyone. Like the only time she ever really spends time with people is when she's with Noelle. So it's like, you've really, really super attached yourself to just this one person. She's she's gotten good. I think it's mostly just that Jesse doesn't trust her because she's in tight with Dwight because Dwight has basically sort of been leaning towards Noelle and Justine. And that's true. And I did. For the most part, she's fine with Jesse because Jesse, like he's like Jesse said last episode, he's kind of in the middle between Cody and NECA and Justine and Noelle. It's just a matter of like, he's got a vibe from Justine that he can't quite pinpoint and he doesn't totally jive with and she also has the same thing towards him right so it's it's sort of an instance where it's one or the other like one of them is going to end up going out at the other's hand because yeah neither is willing to fully trust the other which means that one of them has to go exactly well and it feels like she went from like a really overachiever go-getter in episode one to super high maintenance this episode. yeah it was weird it was a really weird flip yeah but it feels like a change it more like a change in edit than a change yeah. in actual like oh i'm sure personality i guess yeah. if that makes sense and and maybe in the first day or two she really was out there strong going she after had it energy exactly it, but and it was little comments that they probably just passed on and as they noticed it day after day and by the time you hit day five day six it becomes a lot more apparent and that's how jesse kind of put it is right that it just started to wear on him yes um that's so, true so maybe that's kind of the instance but Rick, what you said is basically my exact point in regards to why we don't need villains. Like we don't need people specifically cast to be villains because there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with either Justine or Jesse, but they don't jive. So that conflict is just happening organically. And it's not something that's over the top. It's just something that's like simmering underneath. Yes. Which actually causes like is makes for more interesting dynamic yeah because you don't know which way it's going to go you're you can't just pinpoint yeah. and be like this person's going to be the villain and they're going to be the bad guy through the season 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, shit, where's everybody going to fall on this? Especially if both these two make end up making it to the merge, then shit gets really interesting, you yeah. know? So I, I, I'm excited for it. I, 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 I don't know why I'm stuttering like that. Sorry, everyone. But I agree with you. I think that it is a much more organic thing and kind of tying it back to the challenge. It's like those certain seasons that we've talked about, for example, like Rivals 2 where the drama and the conflict in the season is completely like competition and season based. It wasn't like yeah. forcing these situations or whatever. It was strictly based off of, I, I'm not vibing with you. You're not vibing with me. We're going to go after each other. May the best man win. And this is kind of that same scenario between Justine and Jesse. Yeah. So sure. anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, this part was pretty was pretty funny. Was uh, Geo and and Ryan working on these uh, almonds that he finds up in the tree? All this effort and stuff for these little tiny almonds, but they're enjoying it. And we get uh, Geo's backstory, he, you know, about him coming out at eighteen to his parents and them not being okay with it, and pretty much kicking him out. And he talked about how he went through a homeless stage talked about how he went through, you know, suicidal thoughts and stuff like that and, you know, made it out on the other side and decided that he wanted to make the best out of life. And, uh, you know, I thought that was I thought that was totally unexpected, was not the story I was expecting from him. And yet again, just another one of those deep backstories that just made me really love the 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 person. And uh, yeah. so I like Gio a lot. Me too. And he's one of the ones I was I was worried about. Not necessarily that I was worried about not liking. Yeah. But I was worried about getting overly invested in. Yeah. Just because he is a smaller dude. And no matter what tribe he landed on, he could be conceived as being one of the weaker, um, like strength wise. Right. But what's really interesting is how quickly he sort of teamed up with Ryan, just based on the fact that the two of them were chosen for the first leg of the rate, like of the challenge. And mm -hmm. then as a result, they did the sweat together as sort of like, hey, I wasn't able to do this. I want to be able to make it right. Right. So I think that he's in a much better position now than he was at the start. Yeah. And I really like Gio. Yeah, I do, too. I love him a lot. Like, I really, really like him. So after that, we also end up getting Cody's backstory. Um, he starts out by kind of talking to Noelle and asking her about her, um, you know, her prosthetic leg. And so then he ends up telling a story about how he had a, a friend in high school who ended up getting a tumor and had to have his leg removed. His friend had cancer and ended up passing away about a year after getting his leg amputated. His friend's name is Devin. And Cody says that ever since then, he's just kind of taken that as a lesson to, you know, live every day to the fullest because you don't know when your last day is kind of a thing. And it, this was the moment I turned to Rick and I was like, God damn it, man. Cause this was the guy that it, I was like, Nope, I'm not going to like this guy. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. And then I hear his backstory and I'm like, I like this guy. Damn it. Like go live your life, bro. Go jump off those cliffs. Go do whatever you need to do, man. Like fucking get it. Enjoy your vacation. Like I'm here for you and I'm rooting for you to enjoy your vacation. I might not be rooting for Cody to win, but I hope he does everything that he wants to do in life and on that island. And I hope he, you know, enjoys it. And it's just, I'm just like, damn it. Why'd you make me like him? <laughs> Living. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to be like, all right, all right, all right. Right. Yeah. 
Exactly. I also feel that he's one of the more likely candidates to show up on the challenge. Yes. Not necessarily the CBS challenge, but like flagship. Yeah, yeah I agree. Him and uh, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Ryan would be really good on the challenge, I think. Um, he, um, I was going to say this earlier. He reminds me uh, not not like doppelganger like they look like, but personality wise and the way they talk and express themselves reminds me of Kylan. Oh, OK. Yep, I can I see, see that. that. Yeah. And also, I think as far as like being like very stoic and very intentional and also very like kind and well-meaning, very much like Nam as well. Yes. Yes. That's like gentle one. giant sort of deal. Yeah, that's a good one. And I, I actually wanted to ask you guys, because this was this again, going back to the not needing a villain thing like these characters and are and these people are going to develop over the time that they're on this island and they're being put against these these obstacles and these, you know, situations that they've never had to experience before. And, you know, your opinions and thoughts on them might change. And for me. This was one of the moments where I feel like my opinion is starting to change a little bit on Owen. Like, I feel like he's a little bit too, like, paranoid and anxious about everything all the time. So this is the moment where he's going to gather water for everyone and, you know, to load it in the big pot. And he's pissed about doing it pretty much. And he's just talking shit to himself, like, the whole way back. And he's spilling water everywhere. And he's getting irritated. And he's paranoid that everybody everybody else is out looking for idols right now. You know what I mean? So like, I just feel like he's falling into this pit of paranoia and I'm just like, dude, like, please don't, don't do this. Like, please. I looked at it differently. So I was listening to the know-it-alls and Rob had made a very valid point of like, when you're walking and you have nothing to do and the only other person there is a cameraman who won't talk to you, but you've got a camera in front of your face. You might as well just like fill the space yeah, with whatever happens to be going through your head at that time. I took it as like, I have to do this because nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. You all say you're not thirsty, but I know you need to drink water because you're getting dehydrated. That's going to reflect poorly on me because you're going to be spent in the challenges. And while I'm doing this. You're probably off looking for immunity idols and doing something for yourself rather than doing something for the tribe. Right. And that was that was how I perceived the monologue. So I find it I find it interesting that you took it as everybody's looking for immunity idols while I'm doing this stupid thing that everybody told me to do. Whereas I'm looking at it as if I don't do this, nobody else will. And then nobody's going to have water. So I need to be the one that does this. But everybody yeah. else is probably out doing something for themselves rather than doing something for the tribe. Yeah, well, and I mean, and, and I took it that way, too. But I think just like paired with the way that the episode started with him just being super paranoid with the with the tribe and, you know, apologizing and thanking and all of this stuff for like literally no reason. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, he he I, and that's the thing. I don't know if he was told to go fill the water or if he volunteer voluntarily was just like, I'm going to go fill the water. And at that point, it's like, it, it, I don't know, it just, it, it just, I don't know why this moment rubbed me the wrong way, but it did. And it just felt like, 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 I don't want to say scrambling, but it just felt like jumbly and like paranoid a little bit. Um, it didn't feel like he felt confident in what he was doing and his position in the tribe. And I just, 
I feel like usually when people get that edit this early, they are they end up rubbing people the wrong way and they end up going sooner than later. And I just don't want that for Owen because I actually do like him and I didn't think that I would like all y'all were like fighting over him and the fantasy. And I was like, you guys can have him because I don't think I'm going to like him. It was him and Sammy that I was like, y'all can have him. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm whatever. And now I actually like I like Owen and I'm like, dude, just take a deep breath. Calm down. It's okay. Like, just breathe. It's going to be fine. (laughs) See, I just view it in a totally different perspective, which is what he said. He's a curmudgeon. And I respect that. Me too. I've never heard myself described more perfectly than lovable curmudgeon. (laughs) I I drop that beginning adjective and it's me. (laughs) You're a dork. So ironically, and, and I don't know if this is edit or if it's was actually happening at the same time that Owen was doing the water, but Ellie and Janine were out looking around, whatever, kind of peeking around for idols and stuff. And it looked like there was a little rolled up piece of paper in the crack of a tree. And she kind of looked there, but she didn't really see it. So she just kept moving on and she didn't end up finding it sitting there. But I was like, of course they show somebody out looking for an idol right now. Like, but, I don't know if that's if it actually happened at that moment, but, you know, they're out there, they're doing that. And then they start talking about how they want to pull they want to try to pull Sammy into their little alliance so that they have three votes or they're trying to figure out which one to pull in. Right, right. They're talking about which one to pull in. But at at the end, Ellie ends up saying how she's kind of leaning more towards Sammy. But on the flip side of this, it flips over to uh, Sammy, Gabler, and <laughs> Owen sitting around, and they're talking, and Sammy straight up tells him, he's like, look, the girls are getting super tight. You see them over there. We know they're talking. We're not dumb. And he's like, look, us three need to stay tight to each other. And he specifically says, if any one of them come up to us individually and try to pull us in, we're not going to do it. Like, he already like he is so aware of what they're going to do. He already knows. And I just found that really like, I don't know if all the other guys are going to stick to it. Obviously we'll see what happens. Things change in survivor so quick. It's hard to predict stuff like that, but it was a smart move in that moment. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, I think, I think you're getting the groundwork of how all the tribes are laid out and how it's going to kind of play out up until the merge at this point. Mm-hmm. You can see with Baca, it's it's going to be the guys and the girls, and the girls are already at a disadvantage because they they sent out Mariah right away. Yeah, self inflicted. Yep. Uh, yep. With Coco, you can see it's the divide of the girls and James and Ryan and Geo. Yep. Um. Yep. But I but that one doesn't feel set in stone as the other two. Carlos tribes. the swing boat on that one. Yeah. yeah, and then and then as well with Vessi. You can see that it's, you know, that the Noel and Justine, it's Noel and Justine and then Jesse and and Jesse. Yeah. And you can see uh, Dwight. Is it Dwight? Yeah. Dwight. Dwight. He's kind of falling more with Justine in them. Well, I feel like he's going to end up leaning more towards Jesse when it all comes down to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be a really strong alliance. And I think that's going to obviously this is just an assumption. Like you guys both just said, it changes so quickly. Like this could all be upside down by next episode, but that's how I feel like I'm kind of reading the game is how it's going to kind of play out. Yeah. Unless something big happens. Right. Yep. And I, you couldn't ask for a worse, a worse edit for the guys than Janine and Ellie, like carrying that log. And one of them says like, 
are they even strategizing at all? And she's like, <laughs> I don't think they are. And then it cuts to Owen and Gabler comparing pruny feet yeah. by the fire. <laughs> and then and, who do I look like? Patrick Mahomes. Right. <laughs> and then he, I'm pretty sure that he hit the shelter. When yeah. he threw that coconut. When he threw that coconut, I think he hit Because it did not go it did not go far and it made a very resounding thud. It did yeah. not look like Patrick Mahomes. No, he did not throw no. that like Patrick Mahomes. I wrote vertical puzzle in all caps with the exclamation points. I know, right? Yeah, as soon as I was so I excited saw to that, see it. Yeah, I love watching, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's the devil I, of puzzles right there. I actually like this challenge. So we saw this one on yep. forty two. I can't I don't remember if it was on forty one or any of the previous ones, I but I know on it was on 41 but it was it's been in other right okay but pretty much there's like a giant fucking 400 pound snake in the water fake inside snake. of yes a fake one guys <laughs> fake snake in the water like in a in a cage made I've out of like bamboo movie. poles and stuff like that snake and in a motherfucking cage i'm sorry <laughs> the tribes have to Jump in the water, swim out to the cage. They have to climb over the, you know, climb over the cage, get inside the water, lift this giant 400 pound snake out of the water and over the top of the freaking cage bars, drop it into the, and then swim it over to the beach. And then once they get it to the beach, they have to untie it and they get these like, num these like numbered little tiles, um, which will help them solve a number code, which will release a bag that <laughs> release the kraken right it'll release a bag that has a puzzle piece which is the last puzzle piece to the vertical puzzle that they have to complete which two people will work on and obviously um the first tribe uh to win you know will get immunity and they'll get a large fishing gear and then second tribe wins immunity and gets a smaller fishing gear last place goes to tribal whew Sometimes these sur explaining these survivor challenges is very challenging. Okay, I just want to say like props to Jeff because I don't know if he does like multiple takes and stuff like this, but good lord, man, sometimes these are freaking there's there's a lot of steps to these sometimes. My god. <laughs> he does like a bare bones one so that we understand. And then what they do is um, they go through the they walk through the entire challenge with each tribe individually. Okay. So each tribe can ask their questions and everything else. That makes and sense. And then they do the. And, th and that makes sense because I remember on the previous immunity challenge from episode one um, where they had to pull the boat up onto the onto the beach to get the crates yeah. out of it. Jeff had never mentioned in the original explanation that you had to like clip the thing onto the boat before everybody could start pulling the containers out. But when they were doing the challenge, he was yelling at them. He's like, you got to clip it in. You got to clip it in. And so that makes sense that he doesn't tell the entire whole story, just gives us the basic layout of it. And then, you know, goes more in depth with them. That makes sense. So anyway, a person has to sit out on the Vessi and the Coco tribe because and this is one thing that I do like that Survivor does that Challenge does not do is that if they're playing in teams like this, Survivor will sit people out to make the team numbers even instead of there being like, <laughs> you know, one team that's got like four people on it and then, you know, other teams have got like six or eight or like whatever. They they make all the teams even. So Noel ends up sitting out for Vessi and Carla sits out for Coco. 
that was one of my biggest learning curves um, going from Survivor to the challenge mm-hmm. is how like not unfair. Well, it is unfair, it but is, how yeah. like they don't bother to try to make things even. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you've lost seven team members. I guess you're competing against this team of eight by yourself. Good luck. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it's you like. You get to move 300 pounds of dirt by, by yourself. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, breaking into the immunity challenge, uh, Baca ends up getting their snake over the cage first. Um, Coco is second and Vessi is last. <laughs> ne- just it's- Sorry. <laughs> NECA isn't really doing a whole lot to help Vessi and you can see like Noelle like she is fucking pissed standing on this on this beach watching this happen because she chose to sit out and I know exactly what she's thinking she's like dude I could have killed this like she would have probably done really well in this and she's just stuck there watching and there's like a point where NECA just like is literally just standing there like not doing anything not helping she's not even touching the fucking snake she's fucking watching like we are yeah like it was just insane to watch and then on the other side you've got Ryan who is just like the shining gold star for team for tribe Coco and he's like literally just pulling this snake almost by himself over just grabbing these little they're not really straps but just little you know pieces on the snake holds little hand holds yeah exactly and um he's just pulling that whole thing over by literally almost by himself and then cody who's just like riding it down the side I loved how he grabbed onto it and then just jumped off the fucking cage. Like thinking his 170 pounds is going to pull 400 pounds over a fence. It's like, nah, bro, that's not how how this works, man. A valiant effort, though. I'd have tried the same thing. Oh, my God. I got a couple pounds on him, so I might have been able to make it work. Right. Like, I was just waiting for someone to get just smashed by the snake as it fell down into the water. Man, some of the like some of the people that were jumping in when they were both in the cage and then also when they got the snake over, I was like, you're landing on somebody else on your team. Like they were jumping so close together. Yeah. And when you're in that cage, you don't have a lot of real estate anyway, but you've got the snake there around like three of the co- the sides and then you've got five people that have to fit in the water there and people are just jumping in from the top and they're just like okay well and there I was would get kicked in the head there was one moment where um i can't remember which tribe it was but they were pulling the snake back over i want to yeah. say maybe it was vessi but the they finally got the edge of the snake pulled over and there were two girls and i swear to god that tail of that snake just slid right past her head like it almost landed on her yeah. and i was like dude that would have hurt so damn bad if that thing hit her in the head while she was in the water like I, I got scared for a second it, i think it was maybe it was justine I but i don't know neck up for some reason i don't know i I'd don't know who the girl it. i'd have to watch but i don't know and james like james sort of fell off the cage like when yeah they were like after they had got through and the way that he fell and like sort of kicked out 
I thought for sure he was going to boot somebody in the face. Yes. It wasn't NECA that almost got hit because I remember thinking when she was climbing down, it looked like her arm got caught. And yeah. It was like almost like yeah. a Nisa from 37 where yeah. she dislocated yeah. her shoulder. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, so everybody ends up getting their uh, snakes up on the beach. And uh, really, the race comes down to being between Baca and Coco. Baca has a really good lead. Coco catches up pretty quick to the point where down to the end of the puzzle, they're literally like maybe two puzzle pieces away from each other. But in the end, Janine and Ellie are able to pull out the win for Baca and they win immunity and the large fishing gear. And then right up behind them, Coco puts a couple more pieces in and they end up finishing in second. So they also get immunity and they get a smaller fishing gear set. And uh, Vessi is on the way to tribal. And losing their flint. Yeah, and losing yeah, their there flint. You go. <laughs> Did you see what Dwight did as soon as they got to the puzzle? Mm -mm. He took off his buff and he put it down beside the puzzle so they could use it as a guide when oh, they were putting their puzzle together. Oh, that's smart. That's I thought smart. it was for, I, yeah. I did recognize that now that you bring it up, I but I thought it was that. for like, so he didn't get like fucking sand ground into his knee. Yeah, was so he put down. it down there to use it as a, as a key. That's yeah. smart. Now, ironically, they came in last, but they, right. it was a very smart move. And like, it just shows how Dwight's mind works. Yep. Where you can see that, you know what the puzzle is and you know what you're going to need to do. So he had that and he was like, perfect. Everybody else has an answer key, but I'm actually going to make use of it. Yeah. And yeah, I, who knows? They might have done better if they wouldn't have, you know, not opened up the bag with the one puzzle piece that they were missing. Like what the yeah. F? Yeah. Like literally NECA didn't even open the bag. She just like, it, I, I just it blows my mind and they're like looking for this piece and it's like, yeah, it's the one in the fucking bag. <laughs> I think if she would have been on any other tribe and that happened, she was she would have been the been the odd man out really fucking quick. Yes, I agree it would have been hypocritical if Baca sent her home, though, because at tribal last week, they said that um, nobody should be uh voted out based on their performance on an individual portion of a challenge that yeah. they were either asked to participate in or volunteered for. Right. Which is quite possibly the main reason you should be voted out of the game. But I think that was that was also a matter of like specific word choice to protect Gabler and Sammy. Yes. Yeah. More so than anything else. It was just an excuse. But, you know, an yep. excuse to vote Mariah instead of voting you know, Owen or whatever. Owen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, while I agree with you on that, uh, as far as what they said, I don't agree with the principle of it, but also yeah. during the part that was an individual where it was the group, she was still just standing there. Yeah. Like they're all up at the front of the snake and she's like trying to push the back of it all by herself. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And you can't push something that heavy and that big like that. Like you need to get up in front of it and you need to use your legs and you need to pull that. And, and and they were all screaming at her. Even Noel was screaming at her from the sidelines. She's like, dude, like they yeah, need was. your help. Like, oh my God, I would have been so frustrated. I don't think she ever stopped screaming. No, I don't think so either. Probably not. Having three seasons, well, four if you count, four if you count winners at war, I miss two tribe seasons because yeah. you still have the same number of people, but there's a little bit more room to hide. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the last two seasons, so Zach was first out on 42, and Mariah was first out 
I'm 43. Mm-hmm. But like in other seasons with larger groups, neither one of them would have been the main target. Right. But when there's only six people, yeah. everybody stands out for every reason. Exactly. And I don't understand the appeal of doing the three tribes, mm-hmm. because if you do it in two tribes then you're also getting much more time with the players, right? If you get, if you win immunity and you aren't going to tribal, then half of the contestants on the show are going to tribal. Right. And then you have the opportunity to see what everybody's doing. But um, like I said, when we were speaking to Danny, like I don't know what went on at his tribe for the first half of the game. Right. Because they never went to tribal council. So we saw them compete in the challenges and then we never saw any like strategy or anything else because they never had to vote anyone out. So in games like this, as soon as a tribe like one tribe loses, then you don't see two of the tribes and you're only focusing on six people for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, Now, this this actual episode is a little bit of an anomaly in that you did still see Mm -hmm. the other two tribes even after somebody lost and was going to going to be going to tribal. It wasn't just them, but I think it's because it was a 90 minute episode, which is arguably much better for a show like survivor. Yeah. Especially if they're going to have the three tribes, you know, but I do agree with you. I do prefer the seasons where there's only two tribes and I like the, I just like the opportunities that that creates for, like said, like for people to find ways to hide and create more alliances and, You know, in in a six person, three tribe season, like there's only so many alliances you can make. There's only so many different ways you can go. And I just think it's more interesting when there's only two tribes and you have to try to figure it out in a bigger group of people. I'd be interested if they did uh, just one tribe and they made all the immunity uh, challenges individual. I've said that a lot. Yeah. Almost like a free agents for Survivor. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be that that would be or um, the other one that I had pitched to no one in particular is if you swapped the tribes every single episode. Oh, that would be so every three days, every three days you swap the tribes. One group goes to tribal. The next time you go to a challenge, you swap the tribes again. Right. So that way you have to have working relationships with everybody. Not just the people that are specifically on your tribe, because you know that you very easily could end up back together with people. So you have to have like six or seven mini alliances throughout. Uh, That would be really interesting. Yeah, because the closest they've done is one beach, but multiple tribes. Yeah, I remember that. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, so Vessi ends up losing and they're going to be going to tribal. So for whatever reason, Cody wants to save NECA. They're really close. He loves the girl. He trusts her. I guess not for no reason, but because otherwise he's screwed. here. Let me list. Let me say for no, for whatever reason. And then let me list all the reasons. But yeah, he trusts her. He likes her vibe, likes her energy. He pretty much just wants to, to save NECA. Whereas Justine and Noel really want NECA to, to leave. Which makes sense because otherwise it's one of them that's going. Exactly. Just based on numbers. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Cody and Jesse are having the conversation and like he they're fully aware that NECA didn't do well. And I'm right. sure NECA's fully aware that NECA didn't do well. But that's neither here nor there because she's in an alliance of three on a tribe of six. Yeah. And one of the people who's not in their alliance doesn't have a vote. So bleh, bleh. you can do what you want. <laughs> you know what those three remind me of? Um, I forget the season, but it was the mod squad. With- 
the one with Eddie George's wife. Close. I'm trying to think of that alliance where it was like three of them. I think. It oh, was, they uh, made the alliance on the that little island they had to go to. Yeah, where it was the three of them, and the, didn't they all get down to final three? In God, why can't I remember her name or what? It was the season where season the guy from was... Alabama won and his his friend, I think, if I remember correctly. I I, I might be off. I'm. Are you I'm, talking token chains like Tyson's I, first season when they had when they got sent to like they got sent somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um. So then they made a deal that they would only send themselves. Yes. Yeah. So and that they, they made an alliance. Yeah. yeah. It, but it, but the the pairing of the three, you know, Cody. Jesse and NECA kind of remind me of that same kind of I you gotcha. know, alliance. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Well, it's it's the ideal alliance because surface level, you wouldn't expect the three of them to be aligned. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the perfect alliance. Yeah, exactly. It's completely yeah. un, un- expected. Yeah. Undetectable. Untraceable. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I mean, really, after we after we find out that Cody and Jesse are like, she didn't do so hot. And then NECA asked the girl, asked the girls um, who they were voting for. And they were like, "Uh, we should probably talk to the guys. And NECA was, Jesse was like, they didn't say anything to you. And she was like, no. So I assume that they're trying to vote for me. Yeah, I do remember that part. Definitely. Exactly what they're doing. And then that's actually when we flip back to Baca and we were talking about like the spear fishing. Mm -hmm. Where like Gabler said that he does spear fishing and Ellie was like, why don't we tie a rope to the end of the spear that's going to shoot out into the ocean so that we can get it back? And he's like, no, it's fine. We're shooting it into the sand. And I was like, I understand that. But like beyond you practicing how to use it, when you venture out into the deep blue, uh, maybe you should have something to retrieve it. And he was like, no, I've done this before. And in my head, I was like, cool. So, uh, Next episode is all about when Gabler loses the head of the Hawaiian sling. Yep. That's going to be fun. That's going to be yeah. great. They're going to love it. They're going to be so yeah. happy. No, I'm just kidding. And and then while he's out gallivanting, they're talking about whether or not his advantage is for an, an idol for the next two or your next two right. tribals. And Owen is almost like 100%. He's 95%, he said confident that it says the next two tribals they're not 100 percent sure on it so they end up doing the one thing that i normally absolutely hate on survivor is when people rifle through other people's bags yeah stephen fishback had a like had a back and forth i think it was with dalton ross about it but i might be wrong on twitter about whether or not it should be allowed and stephen was actually for it which kind of surprised me. But then when I understood, like when he explained his reasoning of like, it's actually a mechanic of the game where in the real world, you would obviously never do that. But on survivor, you're not told explicitly that you can't. So then it is an aspect of the game. You can't steal things. Like if you find something, you can't take it, but you can go and look and see what they have. But then you start to get that like real world mentality of I can, but should I? Right, exactly. And you have that duality of it where it's totally a mechanic of the game and you absolutely can, but then real world starts to override and you're like, well, I shouldn't. Right. Janine was fine with it. <laughs> she almost got caught, though. Yeah. Because Gabler randomly comes back and wants coconut, despite the fact that he also said that he doesn't like the coconut while he came up 
to get it. <laughs> He's <laughs> an odd one, man. He is. He is, and I love him for it. I've, I do too. I've loved him from the moment that he referred to his kids being born as them being hatched. Yes. Oh my God. That was hilarious. It was, it's like that moment where your brain is going faster than your mouth and you can't figure it out. So you're just saying things and hoping that it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And in theory it did, but in practice, not so much, not so much. <laughs> and I've been there. So I absolutely related to him, but either way, they find out that it is your next two tribals. So he's still got an immunity idol for next tribal council the next time that they go. So it ends up coming down to the fact that Justine Noel and Dwight on Bessie want NECA. Right. And Cody, NECA, and Jesse want to get rid of Justine. Really, they want to get rid of one of the two. But Jesse has said that he doesn't really trust Justine. And Justine has flat out said that she's a good liar to him. So that's a good reason to get her gone. Oh, stupid. But Dwight and Jesse are kind of going back and forth because they are they are the duo that are sort of the deciding factor, which kudos to Jesse for really trying to bring Dwight in because he has no need to because Dwight doesn't have a vote. Right. So exactly. They're the quote unquote deciding factor when in reality, Jesse's the deciding factor because he's the only one that can actually vote. Right. But he is sort of stating that it's their vote because he wants them to come to an agreement. But at the end of the day, he also wants to get rid of Justine or Noel because it takes out some of Dwight's options as far as where he can go other than with them. Yeah, because if he takes out Justine or Noel... Uh, what's he going to do? He's going to go pair up with the other one. Then he's going to be the next one out because the other side still has all the numbers. So it's like, yeah, you know, and that's the thing is even if he paired up with Justine and Noel right now and say, even if he did have a vote, that's still a, that's still a three, three, you know, it would come out a tie unless somebody split, split it that way. And then that puts you in potential danger. You know what I mean? So it's yep. like, it just makes more sense for Dwight to go the other way. Well, I think it points to Jesse really playing the long game too, because he knows that if he can create this buy-in and inclusion to his plan, mm -hmm. it, it works better for the relationship building for when you do get to the merge and you, yep. maybe your tribe isn't at the strongest point compared to the other ones. But if you have that buy-in and trust, it, it keeps you uh, just, you know, a little bit safer. So it, it's a smart move all around. Yeah. Yeah. Any, especially with the, um, the introduction of the pineapple zone yeah. of being able to have like a no holds barred straight talk, um, which is important, especially on a game like survivor. Yeah. To be able to have a completely unbiased, or I guess it is biased, but to have a completely like unedited conversation of just, yeah. Here are the facts. This is why I want to do the one thing. This is why you want to do the other thing. But then I don't know if it was specifically during that conversation or slightly after. But Justine comes up to them again to sort of confirm that it's going to be NECA. Mm -hmm. And then like looks right at Jesse and basically says that she doesn't 100 percent trust him. <laughs> and she wants to know that she's he's not going to flip on her because she doesn't have absolute trust that he won't. Oh, my God. And then it cuts to Jesse's confessional. He's like, yeah, she doesn't trust me, so I need to get rid of her. That is not an option to keep her around. Yeah. Which, fair, because although he's not saying it, he also doesn't trust Justine. He's just not telling Justine that he doesn't trust Justine. Exactly. Yeah. And that's stupid to do anyway. Yeah. 
Cody does a move that is suiting <laughs> of Cody. Goes for a walk. Goes looking for advantages just to see what he can find. Yeah. Had a line <laughs> that like made me laugh and also made me think of Enzo because he's looking around and he sees this like white mark on a piece of bamboo and he starts to get closer to see what it is. And he goes, Nope, just bird doo doo. And then walks away. (laughs) (laughs) And all I could think of was doo doo -doo Doo -doo pies, pies. doo doo pies everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So he finds an advantage and like, it says beware on it. We all know how beware advantages work from the last two seasons. But nonetheless, Cody opens it. It is different, though, which is nice. We are done with the random phrases that you have to say at Tribal, which is good, because if he opened that now, like presumably half an hour, 45 minutes before they have to go to Tribal, then there's no way that he would have had his vote because he would have had to wait to the next Tribal to actually even say anything. So the way that this works is everybody has a string of beads on their bag that they got when they started the game. Mm-hmm. And on those strings, there's a unique bead on each one. So for the moment, Cody does not have his vote if he goes to tribal council until he gets those beads from each one of the other tribe members that are currently in the game. So if somebody gets voted out, he no longer has to try to acquire theirs. It's not like he can't do anything. Um, It's just the people that are currently in the game. Um, I believe it might have even said something along the lines of that are present at tribal council. Um, So, yeah, that's to me, that would be even more complicated than saying a phrase. But because it's Cody and because he is the type of person that he is, it seems like a daunting task, but it works fairly well, fairly seamlessly. But it's a really interesting twist because it really plays on your social aspects of the game to try to come up with a convincing reason that you need the beads off of somebody's bag. Right. Because yeah. really there's no organic reason that you would need those. Yeah. Unless specifically you happen to be fashioning a hat. Yep. <laughs> and that hat needed some more flair. And that's really what he goes with is like him. And I think it's him and Jesse sort of concoct this plan of just, we'll get the beads by doing the hat after Jesse has the confessional of like, did you not see 41 and 42? You had to realize that you were losing your vote unless you did something like what the hell, dude, this is an important vote. Yeah. But if it wasn't for the fact that he started making that hat last episode, if it wasn't for the fact that he had two people in his alliance that could start the trend of giving him beads for his hat and then convince other people to also give him beads he would not have had a vote and it would have been a 2-2 tie and they potentially could have gone to rocks mm-hmm. on their very first trip to try yeah. yep it's yeah. crazy how shit yeah. like, works out it's smooth and it yeah. almost Super doesn't smooth. and it's you don't <laughs> the first time that i was watching it was like it's weird that noelle's playing with her beads while like they're everyone else is rounding them up and then when she's just like no i made a bracelet with mine i'm keeping them and it's like Oh, well, shit. Like, what do you do with that? Because Cody had also mentioned, like, any super fan of the show is going to want to have a keepsake. And what I've recently learned, like, as recently as this week, 
is if you get if you find an idol and you mm-hmm. don't play it, you used to be able to keep it. Like it used to be a keepsake. Like you could take it with you if you didn't play it, and yeah. it then became like a null idol and didn't work. You have to give them back now. Um, you don't get to keep them because um, they did like the Ghost Island season where they had advantages and idols that were played incorrectly that got brought back into the game so mm. that you could try to use them correctly and try to basically right the wrong and like break the curse. So now they take those idols back so that they can potentially be reused at a given point if they so choose. So really, the beads on your bag, one of the few keepsakes that you'd actually have. Right, right, yeah. No, it makes sense. It definitely, I, I understand, you know, I mean, it kind of sucked for his plan, whatever, but I mean, I get it. Like, you're going to want something to take home from that. Yeah, and I figured Dwight was going to be the standout. Like, he was going to be the one that was like, no, nah, I want these. Yeah, no, it was that well. But <laughs> yeah, I did not peg Noel for being that person. I loved the edit where the last thing that we hear is like that she wants them for her bracelet. Right. And that's that. And like, then they go to tribal and you have no idea. And I have never paid such close attention to somebody's wrist at tribal than <laughs> I did at that tribal trying to see if Noel had her bracelet on. Right. <laughs> or because, she's just messing with everybody. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I couldn't count necessarily the number of beads on his hat because they basically just gave him the whole string. Yeah. But yeah, trying to see whether or not she had that. And you really don't find out until the votes come out and there are enough votes for everybody minus Dwight. Crazy, crazy. And it's weird how shit just changes like that. Yeah. And I yeah, I don't think I've ever seen something come that close with an advantage. Yeah. But I've also never really seen one be introduced that close to going to tribal council because norm like when you used to find stuff like that, you just found it and it was an idol. And then that was pretty much the extent of it. But now with all these like beware, there's so much now. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Rob and Steven on the know-it-alls raised a valid point with the beware advantages and the idols being like this. And having the names of everybody with the bracelets, it's unlikely that you're going to see a tribe swap early on. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's because a good point. they need to be able to have the opportunity to get those specific per- people's beads. Otherwise, they're just not going to have their vote and they're going to go into a tribe swap and just be picked off. So chances are we won't see much of a tribe swap before the merge. And I don't know that we did before. The only thing I could could conceive is like if they do a both tribes go to tribal council, but one person's voted out or two people are voted out or whatever. Right, right. But we'll see. Yeah. Tribal council pretty much goes how tribal council is going to go. Justine says that it's really broken down, like Rick said, two, two, and two. Jesse proposes to Dwight at tribal (laughs) to solidify their duo. (laughs) However, based on the outcome, I would say that there's going to be a pineapple zone conversation when they get back to camp. (laughs) And the one thing that I don't understand is the vote for the split. Yeah. The vote between NECA and Cody. Yeah. Why? And the only thing that I can figure is if there was like a shot in the dark in play Mm. where if NECA thought that it was 100% her and she played her shot in the dark and like was safe then it would go to Cody, but then there's still enough votes. I guess she would have to like, she would have to think that NECA, she would have to think that NECA was the hundred percent choice 
Right. And then they threw one vote on Cody in case NECA was safe. Exactly. Because otherwise, it's going to go to whoever NECA votes for. But if she plays her shot in the dark, she doesn't have a vote to vote for somebody other than herself. Exactly. I I don't know. I think that was a a very short-sighted assumption on Noelle and Justine's part that everybody was actually going to vote for NECA. Like, it it just, that was... I don't know, like, I'm not even like a long term Survivor fan or anything like this. But like Justine had talked about how this was, you know, like a family thing. So she's been watching Survivor. She knows how this game is played. And it just seems very like I don't I don't know the right word that I want to use. But like, well, yeah, but like like very like big ego to just be like, yeah, of course, everybody's going to do what they told me they're going to do. Like, no, they're not. This is Survivor. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what are you doing? I mean, I guess the optics of how NECA performed the challenge were so, like, overt that even the people who were in her alliance were like, yeah, she didn't do well. Right. So I guess you could say that, like, they might have been more sure. Plus, they assumed that Jesse was with them. Right. So, but that's still, like, that's still only two votes. And, like, Cody's not going to vote for NECA. No matter what. No. Yeah. So it was, it's one that I didn't understand and I didn't listen to the exit interviews this week. I, I, I honestly for, like forgot that they existed for whatever reason. No, you're just um, so used to doing them ourselves, you know? I know, right? <laughs> I'm used to being a part of them and then that didn't happen. So I'm just like, oh, right. But I listened to Mariah's. So I have no idea what happened that I was just like, oh, yeah, That's exit funny. interviews aren't a thing. So I don't know. I'm sure that Rob would have asked her why she voted for Cody. Right. Well, we'll we'll but, link we'll link uh, Rob's uh, exit interview down below in the description. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like it it didn't work out the way that Justine and Noel were planning because Justine ends up getting sent home, and that sucks for me, man, because she was on my team, so I just lost somebody. Yeah, now the two people with the smallest teams have each lost a person off of said smaller teams. I know. What the hell is this, right? Like, these two effers got, like, five people on their team. They just chilling. All I do is win, win, win. Wanted to throw that out there. I probably won't win, but just there you go. But, yeah, no, it it was a good episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I felt like there was a lot of of ups and downs, a lot of, you know, kind of jumping around and... That's what I like about Survivor. It's it's exciting because you never know exactly what's going to happen. And people flip on the drop of a dime. And it just it makes it exciting to watch because you can't. I mean, early in the game like this, it's pretty kind of easy to once, especially once they start talking um, right before tribal. It's kind of easy to figure out who's possibly or most likely going to to be sent out. But it's not for me, it's not as like cut and dry as it seems to be in like the challenge, right? Where you pretty much know who's going to go home sometimes even the beginning of the episode before the damn challenges even happen because of the way that they edit and foreshadow everything with confessionals. But they don't do that in Survivor and the alliances flip on the drop of a dime and, you know, things happen. and, And the thing is, is. One, Rick and I were talking about this earlier, but one thing that you say, one comment, one little thing could could be the the difference between you staying and you leaving. Right. And and yep. I like that excitement that that Survivor brings in that way. So um, I enjoyed this episode. I'm looking forward to the season. 
there's there's not a dud in the cast at all yeah um, it's one of those it's one of the seasons and it's the I would say it's the first in a really long time that I've looked at the cast and been able to say right from the very first episode that I don't know who is even in contention for winning yeah. because there's conceivably a story that's plausible for any one of them to win. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yay. Well, well, I think we should, uh, before we do our close on everything, get, let have Tony go through and yeah. uh, give us a breakdown. We'll of do our points, our points breakdown for our fantasy. What? what? Sounds good. So I'm going to, I'll just give you the week one totals. Yeah. Just where we like, bundled everything together and then I'll actually break down the week two one so you get a bit of an idea of like how it worked. So at the end of the first episode, Corey had 40 points, Rick had 35, Karina 23, and then I was in last place with 20. And I am now down a person as of the end of episode one. And that would be Mariah. One of the things I will say about Mariah even though she is grayed out on my fantasy draft now, she is the vibrancy of her clothing and hair still actually <laughs> shines through. So it doesn't actually look like she's fully grayed out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which just speaks to like Mariah in general. She's Absolutely. going grayscale as of tonight. <laughs> yep. I, uh, she also posted on Instagram about how this is now a perfect case for doing a first boot season. And I've yeah, said it a couple that. of times, but especially now that her and Zach were the first two out of their respective seasons, I would absolutely love to see a first boot season because everybody has the same amount of gameplay. They've had the same amount of experience with the show mm-hmm. and then the opportunity to play again. Yeah, that would be really cool. I would, I would definitely like a season like that. Yeah, it'd be cool. Especially with a mix of like old school, and new school. It'd be really interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, so episode two for confessionals, we'll start with Corey. Ellie had three, Gabler had three, Owen had two, Cody had six, and Cassidy had none. So 14 points for the confessionals. And then with Baca and Coco winning immunity, uh, that was four points spread across his team. And then Cody got an advantage for an extra two points. And then Cody also voted for the correct person to be eliminated for a total of 22 points this week. Uh, So, Rick, you did not do as well. Gio and NECA each had one confessional, which is shocking because NECA was like the one who's in contention for going home. And she had one confessional the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay had none. Dwight had three and Sammy had two for a total of seven. And this is like very much an indicator, sort of what we were talking about with the Challenge USA, where the confessionals go with the narrative. Mm-hmm. But then the only, the, the exception that proves the rule is NECA. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, Baka and Coda, uh, Coco won immunity. So six points there. And then two points for voting for the correct person to be eliminated for a total of 15 points. Karina, you were one point behind Rick with six points for mm-hmm. confessionals. Basically Ryan got one. Noel got two. Justine got three. And James got none. Um, I don't even know if he was featured in the episode. And then you got four points for Baca and Coco winning immunity because you had Ryan and James from Coco. Yeah. And then both Noel and Justine voted for the wrong people. Yeah. So you got 10 more points this week. Woohoo. I got 11 points. Uh, thanks to, strangely, Janine got four confessionals. Carla got one. And then Jesse came in hot with six. And then I got. 
four points for the fact that two of the three people from my tribe were not on the losing tribe. <laughs> and then two points for Jesse voting for the right person for a total of 17, which pretty much only switched Karina and I. Um, the rankings are now Corey in first with 62, Rick in second with 50. I've got 37 and Karina's got 33. Nice, nice. Yeah. I'm well, excited for the fantasy season too. It should be good. I'm I'm pretty stoked for this, guys. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with you know, I know we've said it a bunch and I'll just kind of get to our close out with this, but everybody on this season, I I don't see anyone as a layup or that they don't have an opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. I like all of them. So I think it's going to make for a very interesting season no. of Survivor as well as a very interesting season of Fantasy Survivor for us. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that will all play out. Otherwise, that kind of wraps up the recap of episode one and two of Survivor uh, season 43. We'll be back next week to be to start recapping episode three, as well as doing a full cast reveal and predictions on yes. challenge season 38 ride or dies with the special guest Malik from Love Warren Challenges podcast. As well, like I said, keep an eye out for Karina on Trivia Battle, which we'll have linked below. Yes, I'll link uh, Angel Cake Entertainment down below. LWC, the whole nine. And then also keep an eye out because next Monday, the 10th of October, we are going to be releasing our Beyond the Edit Unplugged episode with Alyssa Lopez. She was on Big Brother 23. She was also recently on The Challenge USA. And she is such an awesome person. She was so freaking cool to meet. And that's coming from somebody who, like, I did not think I would like Alyssa. And I I love her. I love her. I, I absolutely adore the woman. She's amazing. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. We've got that coming. I don't have an official date on it, but we also just recently interviewed Danny McRae, champion of the challenge usa he was also on survivor 41 and uh, we recently talked to him and he is beyond awesome as well i'm not sure on the date exactly but keep an eye out for more information on that and then the last thing is if you haven't caught the news on our instagram we did extend our giveaway we're going to extend it out um, for a week, so we're going to be shooting to do that next week. We will be updating the um, end date on our Instagram, so make sure you guys are following us on there. If you haven't entered the drawing, go enter the drawing. We've got lots of prizes, everything from grand prize of a, of a full podcast takeover down to you know shirts and stickers and stuff like that. So lots of fun stuff. Make sure you guys go enter the drawing. Come follow us on Instagram. And yeah, just keep an eye out for these episodes we've got coming out. It should be pretty fun. And what? And then 38 starts in two weeks and we'll be diving into that. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it's uh, it just never stops. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, because we've also got the challenge documentary. We'll probably talk about that here in a couple of weeks um, once it's all done. And and then last, if you haven't yet. We just recently released our Beyond the Edit Unplugged episode with Sarah Rice, and it is fire. Go listen yes. to it. It is it it was such an awesome episode. She, I, you know what? Just go listen to the episode. Just what, go listen. What Karina did right there was she greased the runway for you to go listen to Sarah Rice. <laughs> oh and if God. you don't get that reference, that's because you haven't listened to that interview yet. Oh so go do gosh, it. She's so funny. I love her. Guys, um, I have nothing left to add. Do you guys have anything else you want to add in there? 
I would just like to say that we finally learned uh, what will keep me from doing a an unplugged session, uh, and that is a hurricane and a <laughs> loss of power for the entire for most of the province of Nova Scotia. I know. Yeah, that was sad. I I was I was sad that you weren't able to make it to Alyssa, but she's such an awesome person. Um, and I have a feeling that we will be working with her more as we move forward. So Agreed. I wouldn't stress it too much. That, and it's a good thing. Hurricanes don't happen every other week. So yes. you, <laughs> you might be in the clear for a little while. You would, we would hope. Right? Yeah. Cause I don't really want to go through that again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just hope Ian, or is it hurricane Ian that just hit Florida? Yeah. Peter's out. Once he gets out back into the Atlantic, with that being said, shout out to anyone in Florida. We hope you guys are staying safe. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. And you know, nothing more we can really say. You know, everything with the hurricane is an act of God. Just make sure you're staying safe. Yeah, uh, hug your loved ones. But for myself, Ricky Hayes, my beautiful wife Karina Hayes, and then Tony Stats and motherfucking info Lance. <laughs> we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We appreciate it. We had a great time. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. And if you get a chance, go through, rate us five stars, and make sure you're subscribing. That way you don't miss when all these hot fire episodes drop. Otherwise, that's all I got to say for tonight. You guys have a good one. Bye. Later. Bye.